They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this madness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery. With me this week is the voice that runs the place, the European champion, hailing from Bangor, Maine, until someone from that state downloads an episode of this podcast, Mr. Wednesday Night Live, Alo Aaron Lloyd. I am here with Ek2Fly, Eric Trambicki, and our fourth member of the panel this evening is... Preptagon Jr., Josh Prepaguina, <laughs> welcome back. What's up, man? Not Good to too be much. Back. Yes, we just want to get out of the way right off the top. This week we have a very special interview with the new CZW World Heavyweight Champion, Leo Rush. So stay tuned for that a little later in the show. Uh, this week we have Backlash, SmackDown brand-specific pay-per-view, main event, Jinder Mahal challenging Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. The Blue Raja. Yeah. <laughs> the Maharaja, which I actually finally Googled the other night, which means Indian Prince. Prince yeah. uh, I did not know that. He's the Blue Raja to me. The Blue Raja for then, now, and forever? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this has been a very polarizing uh, main event storyline. Some people seem to love it. Some people seem to hate it. I think some of the people that love it, love it because a lot of people hate it. I don't know. Eck, I don't know if we've gotten your input on this yet. What are your feelings on I I, uh, the Maharaja? I got to chime in a little bit uh, when he first became number one contender. My original theory was just exactly that. He's a contender. Um, I think he's going to contend for the title, and I think he'll lose to Orton, and I think it'll go past that. Um, they're doing a good job at least booking it. Where so you don't see this as a one-off? I do see it as well. Oh, I thought you said they'll continue this. No, no I, so I, I see continue. them going in a different direction. However, I do kind of buy into the fact, you know, you and I were chatting earlier in the week about, you know, other people's theories. Um, I know you're pretty confident that he's not going to leave with the title. I hope he doesn't, but I am almost getting to the point. They're doing a good job on almost making you think there's a chance for him doing it. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of it, but I think my exact words uh, earlier in the month was, this is typical, you know, B pay-per-view, WWE booking. You have a contender come in. Um, you know, Cena's off right now in Vincent and Hunter's eyes. The biggest star they have after John, you know, us as a panel, whether we agree or disagree, their biggest star they have, longevity, is that's, that's Randy Orton. You know, they, they put over how many times he's held the title. And that's how he's going to go in. Um, he's also beginning the short end of the stick the past couple of weeks with gender, which typically will make you think he's going to retain. Yeah. Halo, your thoughts? This has been an odd feud to me because this was all bottled in with the whole. Even when I talk about the U.S. title, everything was just bottled in because of that whole shakeup thing. Yeah. So a lot of this doesn't even. Didn't even get much of a bill. Like, they did a good job with Jinder Mahal because they tried to make him relevant. You know, he beat AJ Styles. He beat Randy Orton last week. And he was, he did a, I did like what he did with the title, taking the promo shots with the title. And yeah, he wreaked title. havoc a little bit on Tuesday. Yeah, he, he, has, two, he has two little weasels with him. Mm-hmm. The little J&J, the Singrellas, little J&J security <laughs> guys. He has them with him. So it's like, he, got, he looks like a legitimate threat, even though they don't really do anything physically. But Orton just kind of been there. 
and go and gone through the motions. And that's my problem with this. It's like, okay, Randy Orton comes out and just says, oh, he's an ass. Like, mm-hmm. That's all he's really done. I can't, I can't really put all that on him. I can put that on the on the writers because he was bottled up with Bray Wyatt for X amount of weeks when Ginger, Ginger Mahal was all about him. But for two or three weeks, he was all about Bray Wyatt. Yeah. I don't know. Prep? <clears throat> so, I'm probably the higher guy on this. Uh, though I do think he lacks in-ring. Uh, for me, anytime some uh, WWE does something different, I'm looking forward to it. And the only thing... I know the match is going to suck. Uh, I do I do kind of want him to retain because how unmotivated does Randy Orton look right now? Very. Um, he, he's, could be, he's one of those guys you can tell yeah, when he cares sure. or when he doesn't. That's the thing. Randy Orton usually works up to his opponent. So, like, Daniel Bryan matches were great, but then you go back to some of the people who have less of a work rate and they weren't so great. So I'm not expecting much out of this match. Uh, I do think it is going to continue, but we'll see. That's why I don't think Randy Orton is one of the quote-unquote all-time greats. He's portrayed that way, but to me, someone who's great, like Michael Jordan is great because he made his whole team around him better. That Tom Brady is great because he makes his team better. Randy Orton does not make anybody better for having worked with him. His How good he is a lot of times depends on who he's working with. That's why I'm so high on Sasha Banks. Because even though she has not had the success that Charlotte has had since they came up to the main roster, almost every one of those women that's prominent now has had their best match with her. Yep. And I don't know if there's anyone who hasn't. Alicia Fox did. <laughs> <laughs> well, she got that. her first win against we'll Sasha Banks. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh... Anybody have any thoughts on Randy and Baron in the main event on SmackDown? It was a match. <laughs> it was SmackDown sinking, at least with the main events. <laughs> so, Eck, you were not as big of a Baron Corbin fan as you are. You were not high on Baron and Randy. I mean, it, it was just kind of... It was just one of those things. You know, there there's two different storylines going on, so they put the two opposite guys to face each other. Um... It's one of those things whether Orton is not overly... I mean, look at this panel here. Majority of us, you know, I respect Orton because I understand WWE's booking and I I know what he's done the past decade plus. No one here is a big fan of him. And in the panel, probably more than half of us don't even like him. So you're putting a guy in there who's supposed to be a babyface who also has heat elsewhere right now and you got him against this this heel that they're, you know, trying to push. It just, I don't know. There was a lot of things that Matt Match lacked to me. I could be over picky on it. I just did. There was nothing that didn't do much for me. That actually got me a little, you know, negative feeling going into Sunday mm-hmm. because we all know how horrible we thought of. We thought Orton was in the worst match for Mania. Yeah. Everyone hated the House of Horrors match. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's done. That's over with. So... The main event, which is not like a question mark like WrestleMania, the last match to go on on Sunday is going to be Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal. So you're going to have pe- people that are hating the babyface going into this match, people that hate the heel, people that want the heel to win, not because they like him, they just want him to win. Yeah. Then there's people that want change, and then you know there's stubborn people that want change and don't think he is the person that deserves that change. Yeah. That's me. Um, so... I'm not really looking forward to the match. I don't think the match is going to be great, 
But obviously, there's it's for the WWE Championship. It's something worth tuning in for. I do believe, yeah, the build towards this is going to turn out to be more entertaining than the match itself. Because <laughs> That's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, at, at least there was interest. Like, everybody had an opinion on what they thought about this whole storyline. Like I said, some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people love it because people hate it. So... I think they at least generated some type of interest. It's just that this match is not going to lead to anything that anyone ultimately cares about. Um, the thing is, there's, there's people that actually genuinely care about this, whether you, like you said, whether positive or negative. Mm-hmm. It's it's fifty fifty kind of. And you would think, like we, like we, friends on our side, they don't care except for some, except for maybe one. Yeah. But <laughs> it's like. I'll get to when we get to the U.S. title. I'll talk about that as well. It's, it's the same thing. Uh, does anybody else have anything to say about Randy Orton or Baron Corbin or Jinder Mahal? Just Before when I thought on? Baron Corbin was going to be moved up the card, he's just going to stay right there in the middle. <laughs> and everything you saw in Dirt Sheets was like they're priming him for like a big push. And we all thought he was going to be the Intercontinental Champion coming out of WrestleMania. It wasn't even on the show. And yeah, now he's just another guy on that yeah, roster. Just another guy. Well, he's married. <laughs> well, that's good. Although I was shocked that they had Jinder actually beat AJ Styles, even though it wasn't clean. I thought that I thought they would have got out of that match instead of having AJ take a pinfall loss. Even though it was he attacked by Kevin Owens, I just still thought they would got away, got out that match a different way. And I thought Randy would have beat Corbin clean as he did. Yeah, he did. So U.S. title. We didn't get winners. Oh yeah, you're right. That's how much I don't care about this match. <laughs> so, Prep, I'll go to you first. The Maharaja or Randy Orton? I do think... Now, hear me out. Uh huh. I do think that the Maharaja is going to win. <laughs> but I see him as a transitional champion for uh, someone who was supposed to be at the show this week but didn't show up. <laughs> Rusev. He's too busy at the Predators game. So you're believing in Ron's theory. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've been hyping this theory for a couple weeks. Uh, I, the I first person to be on board with it so far. <laughs> I'm in. I think Orton uh, retains, and if the next SmackDown um, pay-per-view is Money in the Bank, he'll defend against Rusev, or somehow Rusev doesn't clean get this opportunity, and it becomes a multi-man match. And maybe Orton will drop it then. I don't see him dropping it to Jinder. So you see Randy. we got a split room so far, Alo. Randy and I think the guys with AJ Owens, Zayn Owens, I mean Zayn, Corbin and Jinder end up in Money in the Bank, and then you get Rusev with Randy Orton and Money in the Bank for the title. Someone can hmm. cash in at the end of that match. I mean, it happened last year. We ca- cashed in the same night. I was with my best friend that night. It was fun. Yeah, memories. Which I'm not too happy about. <laughs> I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> Two TVs, Game Seven of Finals. Money yeah, I've been saying all along. One night. That I expect Randy to retain. I did hatch that theory about Jinder and Rusev, the former tag team champs, Hardbody Mahal and former Handsome tag Rusev. Former partners, not partners. Champs. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Your guys that love Jinder, he's never held any. Title, <laughs> You're right. So not not a former tag champ. Correct. That was a slip of the tongue. But since I finally found someone <laughs> to back me up on this theory. Oh shit. And because I'm pretty sour towards Randy Orton. And because SmackDown does bill itself as a land of opportunity where anything can happen. 
I'm going to go with the Maharaja Jinder Mahal to win. You know what? As I was catching the end of SmackDown, mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm not looking forward to having all these pricks over because when I'm, <laughs> when I'm pissed off at the end of the night when he wins, I'm just not looking forward to all you guys laughing about it. <laughs> what, when Jinder wins? <laughs> yeah. You have my word right now. I will not laugh at you if Jinder Mahal I'm just going to say it's stupid. <laughs> well, and you're entitled to that opinion. Yeah. You're, you're obviously allowed to think... Oh, I love it. Uh, I'm going to hear on social media from Derek next week that I not only hate The Miz, that I hate Jinder. <laughs> you're going to be, be known as the, the hater of the Matt Madness Podcast Network. And speaking of the Matt Madness Podcast Network, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. We obviously have a lot going on tonight. Check out Falls Count Anywhere with Derek and Russ. Check out The Perfect Edge with myself and Donovan the Lowdown Lloyd. And also the interview with Donovan Dijak, 2015 <laughs> top prospect of Ring of Honor. Yes. Uh, yeah, how did we manage on this network to get the 2015 and 2016 Ring of Honor uh, top prospect award winners? We're professionals, Ron. I, well, I guess well, we are. What was I do with my name attached to it? <laughs> U.S. Speaking of titles, U.S. title, we wanted to get to this. Kevin Owens defending against AJ Styles. I'll just say right off the bat, Kevin Owens coming out and doing the highlight <laughs> reel was incredible. Him saying the old host will never, ever be seen again. Loved it. Awesome. <laughs> saying he was obsessed with lists, gifts, and scarves. Another great, great line. AJ comes out and interrupts. Jinder interrupts. We get Jinder against AJ. As Alo stated earlier, AJ takes the pinfall loss to Jinder. I am, well, he lost because of Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, the rare belt shot to the leg. You don't yes. see that often. <laughs> Usually it's to the, the back of the neck, the back of the head, the, the front of the head. You rarely see it to the back of the leg, the back of the knee. Uh, but Kevin Owens gets the last laugh. I'm honestly torn on which way I think this is going. But what I do know is this match is going to be incredible. Yes, Match of the night. Exact words I was thinking. I mean, obviously it's going to steal the show. Is probably one other match has a chance of competing for quality. Um, but I love, like, when, when we get down to prediction, I don't know who, who to call. Um, I bumped into someone recently while I was wearing a Kevin Owens shirt, <laughs> and, and they pointed out, yo, you don't think he's going to make it past AJ? And I didn't even know he was, didn't even realize he was wearing a Kevin Owens shirt. I think I love what Kevin Owens is doing with the United States Championship, and I want it to continue, so I'm hoping he wins. I can't be mad if AJ wins. Uh, so it's, it's something to look forward to. It's a win-win situation. I agree with you. I, I think it belongs on Owens. I think Owens can make it really fun and entertaining if they let him run with it for a little while. I don't think AJ needs a U.S. Championship. It's not really going to do anything to enhance him. So I would prefer to see Owens hold on to it. Uh, Prep, you have any thoughts? I know KO is your boy. That is my boy. I know you got the cheapest autograph that anyone got <laughs> in Orlando from Kevin Owens. Yeah, for sure. Um, I He's going to retain. I, at least I hope so. I mean, I would like him and AJ to both be moved from this title. But uh, we always complain when the titles aren't elevated and it's getting there. Mm -hmm. So. I want to stop thinking of that. Yeah, I mean, arguably two of the top 
three guys in the in the on the brand are it's the house out. that AJ Styles yeah. built. Yeah, almost when you're saying that, I mean, arguably you could say these are two of the top three in the company. Yeah, you could argue that. Um, it, it is one of those things where, like I said, I want Kevin to win, but I can't be pissed at all. AJ wins. I mean, that, that's huge for that title. Yeah, if AJ wins, I'm obviously not going to be upset. Yeah, I'll be perfectly fine with it. It's McGregor and Diaz. You just want to see a good fight. That's it. <laughs> I I did root for McGregor though. You you already know me and Nate Diaz go way back with our beef. I don't want to talk about this, Ron. <laughs> What's he from? The two oh nine. Two oh nine. And I'm repping the six one oh. Yep. Halo. <laughs> this feud has suffered from the whole superstar shakeup thing as well because AJ was the more contender about a month ago and Owen was still doing his thing with Jericho and he just ended his thing with Jericho two weeks ago. So AJ's a bit. Been basically just sitting there for weeks, wait, waiting in the wind for Kevin Owens. And we talked about last, we talked last week about why SmackDown like Raw. SmackDown would different, differentiate itself from Raw because their opening segment was, was always good, and yeah. this was actually really good. It was. I just wish Jinder Mahal and Corbin didn't get involved in the situation, but it, Owens. Perfect. The whole highlight reel just running, running down Jericho. Mm-hmm. And I love when he says, I'm going to introduce him in French just because I can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out for that. And no doubt this will probably be the match of the night because even when these two had matches on Raw a few um, last year when AJ first came in, those matches were great. Mm-hmm. And I know that this will probably be the match of the night. And I'm going to go with Kevin Owens retaining. And I, like I said, I, I think that two, these will be two of the guys in the Money in the Bank ladder match next month at Money in the Bank. The uh, Act Two Fly, you got a prediction? I I predict KO winning, but again, I don't really think there can be a bad result. Yeah. I mean, if it ends, I, you know, there's always a chance it ends with something stupid like a disqualification, mm-hmm. which I think what potentially could ruin the match. Yeah. Yeah, and um, like you, you mentioned, the, the title shot to the to the back of the leg. I think that's going to play a big role in the match. And, ha- and AJ not similar be able- to the fingertip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but AJ not be- being able to set up the phenomenal forearm. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Makes sense. Prep. Yeah, I think KO retains. For sure. Uh, by nefarious means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. I'm going with KO as well. This may be the first time an entire panel picked against AJ Styles. I don't know that that's ever happened or will ever happen again. It's a I, good choice, though. You know, it's just one of those things. KO's just, you know, what he's doing with the United States Championship is, you know, all of us respecting his heel work. We're all enjoying it. We all aren't fed up with it. We want more. He's already, and someone could argue this, but he's done better with the United States Championship than he did with the Universal Championship Abs- for as long no as he No doubt. Now, the, 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 one, the one thing mm-hmm. that I was thinking... It, <laughs> Is as a heel, it's pretty unlikely that we get a John Cena esque open challenge. Um, the one thing that would be good now that AJ's a face, if he did win, there's a high possibility he would do that. Yeah, that we get that. He showcases some guys. Speaking you know. of John Cena, uh-huh. he's come back before his last SmackDown, and I would love AJ, I mean, um, Cena and Owens feud over the US title. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be I awesome. I love that. I went back recently to watch that feud when it happened, when AJ came out and. Knocked him out and stepped on the belt. I forgot how good that segment was. <laughs> so good. It was awesome. Uh, I'm also picking Kevin. Oh, wait, we already did pick. Yes. But there was one thing I wanted to say about that. Just how disgusted Owens was with everything AJ Styles said, <laughs> I thought sold that whole portion of the segment. Like, he just, 
I love how upset he gets about something so dumb as getting put on the list, like the, the screaming and the having his hands like gripping his his scalp. But yeah, just everything AJ said to him, he was just so disgusted by it. And there's something extra funny about him with the super short haircut and the shorter beard. I don't know why. There's just something I find more entertaining about him like that. And, and how proud of proud of himself he was when he took AJ's leg out. Oh yeah, yeah, very proud of himself. Alo actually pointed out my favorite part about uh-huh. him is when he walked around his face. Oh yeah, that is, <laughs> that is so good. It is awesome. Uh, women's division. We don't have the women's title uh, being defended, but we do have a six-woman tag. We have the welcoming committee of Natty, Carmella, and Tamina going going up against the SmackDown Women's Champion Naomi, teaming with Becky and Charlotte. Did you guys like, and this doesn't have to be a long answer from anyone, did you guys like this match getting a Shane McMahon-moderated contract signing? Did anyone even sign the contract? I don't even remember. They all signed them individually. Okay, good. I need a contract signing for a six-woman tag match. The best part is with James Ellsworth. Uh, I can't you, see Ron arguing that. Well, <laughs> no, but you, got, you guys all know how much I love James Ellsworth, especially in the role he's been put in. My favorite part, and this may just show that I'm a Naomi Mark at this point, but the fact that she keeps calling him her, her, <laughs> I think is incredible. She called him. He called. She called him Carmela's side chick about a month ago. She said her. Like, uh, on Tuesday night, I think it's incredible. I do think he's funny though. Whoa, 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 Shane! I got this, okay? Like he, he's obviously talking to a bunch of women, which I think is funny. And then he gets kind of thrown around by Naomi anyway. Like she's not one bit afraid of him. I do like him in this role. He did kind of sell the segment. He did. He was, the, he was the best part, yeah. just running out each individual woman saying Charlotte you may be the queen but I'm the I'm the prince of the prince of Staten Island <laughs> duh no when, when he said Charlotte sees me as her probable king <laughs> duh awesome he basically insinuated that Becky's in love with him <laughs> I'm sorry to pour water on your straight fire <laughs> duh yeah great and I know not every he's not everybody's cup of tea but he is my cup of tea I think he's Silliness at maybe not quite its finest, but he has a very good brand of silly on the SmackDown brand. Yeah, as long as he's not pinning AJ, I'm good. Yeah, I think that's run its course. He's been perfect with Carmella. Yeah, I I really do thoroughly enjoy it. He he does do great in that role. I I got a small nitpick I got to put out. I'm about 90% sure you guys didn't mention this, but I know uh, about a week or two ago you you asked everyone's uh, opinion for the uh, welcoming committee as a Yeah, that was last week. One thing I think that's really stupid about it, uh-huh. how is Tamina in a group called a welcoming committee when she should be getting her ass welcome there? She just came. True. You do have a good point there. Um, so part of the superstar shakeup, they get Tamina Snuka, and well, she's Well, Tamina wasn't anywhere. She wasn't anywhere, but still, same thing. That is true, though. I get the point, but my whole thing with the welcoming committee, I think I just enjoy it because they're just not actually there to welcome anybody. Mm. <laughs> They're there to try to prevent anyone else from getting ahead. So I think I just like the idea that they're named the opposite of what they actually are. But I, but from a logical standpoint, I get what you're saying. She's just new to the brand. She should not be part of the welcoming committee. It does make sense. Just a little nitpick. Yeah. Does any anybody have any other comments about the women's division? There's not a whole hell of a lot that happened. No, I mean I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to see where they're gonna go from this because I did like that. 
Charlotte still pl- not not being a complete face, mm-hmm. still being a heel, saying she didn't forget about the title. And that's still the main focus. And with it doing with Carmella, because Carmella has beaten Naomi twice. Mm-hmm. And the dirt sheet just randomly pops up today that Carmella was originally supposed to win the title at WrestleMania and drop it to Naomi on the SmackDown after. Really? And that would be a thing. Hmm. So, but you have to you have to kind of assume that Carmella's gonna get a title shot, title shot since she's beat Naomi twice. It would be fun to watch Carmella come out with James Ellsworth like holding the title <laughs> for her, like in, in two hands, like presenting it. Um, I'm not anti this match. I'm not super excited for it. I did like that Charlotte still said like you know I'm still coming for my crown after this is over. Um, so I guess we'll just go right into predictions. Alo, Charlotte, Sot, Charlotte, Becky, Naomi, Eck. Uh, I think the the heels take it. Yeah, I think so too. The welcoming committee. The heels, yeah. Yeah, I'm going with the welcoming committee too. I just think that Charlotte, Naomi, and Becky. The story is going to be that they can't function together. They didn't. They didn't do anything to bond or outbond the welcoming committee. So I think the welcoming committee is going to get the win. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if I was wrong about that, but that's the way I'm leaning right now. Uh, tag team division. <laughs> we have the Usos defending against Brizongo, who now my worry two weeks ago when everybody was in love with the Fashion Files segment was that WWE creative was going to be like a little too high on themselves and overdo it. And week two, I thought they did. I didn't think it was nearly as funny as the first one. I thought they bounced back pretty strong <laughs> yes. this week. Um, day one is H. <laughs> the the line of the thing. night. I and need that we, shirt. When the titles, our day one will be H. Our day one will be H. <laughs> freeze frame. <laughs> yeah, the freeze frame. <laughs> I thought that the fact that uh, Fandango couldn't say recognizant. <laughs> <laughs> That, what that about, even, what even about how good Tyler Breeze's uh, disguise was? Yeah, that oh, that you really are the master of disguise. <laughs> yeah, that he even said like, oh, you're in too deep." Like <laughs> that he's, he's that undercover that he's in too deep now. He's he's playing a janitor, at an, at an arena they've been at for one day, but he's in too deep all of a sudden. Did he have tape over his beard or something like that? Uh, something I don't even know. But it it was very good. I like that they actually got a very convincing win. Um. And I thought the Usos, not their best promo ever, but I, I love the energy of it. Still very good. Yeah, yeah. very good. I, I think that they really have hit their stride with this incarnation of themselves. Yeah, they obviously don't listen to us because I can't stand that they still do the ooh. So, yeah. like, ugh, they it, should it, listen to us. It is annoying because it, it takes, that phrase is so good. Like when you feel the little hair standing up on the back of your neck. It's not paranoia. It's the Usos. If you just hit the Usos the right way, that phrase is great. But they take all the steam away from it by still doing the the pairing up to say the Usos. Mm-hmm. Eck, what do you think about that? Because I know you were you were a fan of it when they first made the turn. Well, I, I love the turn. Uh, I, I like the point that you make. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole line there. Uh, you know, when they hype up about getting nervous and... You know, there's something behind you creeping up and your hair sticking up. It's not paranoia. And, you know, it was so good when they would just scream one one syllable. That's the Usos. Mm-hmm. But when they uh, 
when they drug it out, like it's you know 2010 again, and they're <laughs> they're over there doing the drums with uh, no entrance music and yelling. When I say ooze, you say oh. It's it's just not it's not uh, hitting home as hard. The only thing that would be worse is they were like waiting for the crowd to finish it. It's <laughs> yeah. really the only way it would be any worse than that. Yeah. And that's not to take away from them. I think they're doing really good work. They obviously are good in the ring. Yeah. And I find them very entertaining. And like I said, great energy from these guys. Obviously, they do great in the ring. I mean, I mentioned earlier, it's obvious that the um, United States Championship will be the match of the night. But I hope this has the, the chance. That I hope they give them the time. This could steal the show. Mm-hmm. All four can go. Oh, yeah. It's kind of hard to judge the Usos because they're never on TV, and then when they are, they're just coming out right after a tag team match to confront the tag team. So it's kind of hard to judge them because they're, even when they first did this, it was the same thing. When they were doing that thing with American Alpha, they did it, you were like, wow, and then they're not on TV for two or three weeks. And you're like, okay, you, you lost all the steam. And that's the same thing, even, even though they're the champions, they lost all the steam. They're just there to show up after a match to confront the challenger. Mm-hmm. So I have no doubt if they let them go, this could pre- this would be the second best match of the night. That's only if they let them go. But I don't have I don't I'm not 100 percent sure they let them do that. But just to make myself happy, yeah. I'm picking Brazongo. <laughs> they put time into those segments. Yeah. Even if it's just like a daily thing that you're gonna show on SmackDown, but they actually put effort into Brazongo. And I don't know what they're gonna do with New Day coming in a few weeks in Ju- um, in, the be- in June or whatever. But will they be throwing with the Usos or the what? Since they I'll turn Brazongo face. Since they turned Brazongo <laughs> face, so I'm going Brazongo because I want Tyler Breeze to have something. Uh, and yeah, we, we've been sure. clamoring for those two guys to have something yeah. since the podcast started. I mean, you know, they, they've been lost in the shovel for way too long, especially Fandango, especially. Oh yeah, yeah. I I hope to God that they win because everything, even to like when you look in the back. I mean, they took a shot at Nakamura when it yes, said yes. no style. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they they put a lot of time in, and I, I think they deserve the win. I think uh, the Uggos are losing. I uh, will agree. I think, like Alo said, this is the way I felt when they, uh, they started doing the segments with Heath Slater and Rhino. It was like they're investing in this. So that makes me think that they're going to win. I feel like that they've really put the time in every week to give them this segment to let them shine. I don't think they're doing it for nothing. So I'm going to predict them to win as well. But the last thing on the on the tag teams before we move on, and Halo, you tell me if you agree with this because you said you think it takes steam away from the Usos that they just come out after a tag match. The re- And I, I get you that they did it with American Alpha as well, but I think they're looking at Brizongo like these two clowns have no business being in the ring with us. Like, we're actually good. They're actually not. So, to me, I feel like it works in this instance where it's like, we don't have to prove anything. We'll just come out here and run you down after you got it. You got your little win, but we're going to crush you on Sunday. Do you think it works any better in that instance than it does against a team like American Alpha? It does, but that wasn't really the context of what they've been saying. And then, at the same time, they haven't really been saying anything about that. Well... The, the reason why I go to that specifically is the promo they cut last week. The whole 12 days, and they just they basically like made fools out of them. That whole pro- In 12 days, you guys can you know, scratch each other's backs. In 12 days, you can shave each other's backs. And, t- and they just kept coming with like thing after thing to just show that like these guys are not a threat. Uh, 
like I said, this past week the the promo wasn't quite as good as the week before, but I just think it's like, and again, I'm probably overthinking. We promised ourselves last week we wouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> But I think in this instance, it's like we don't have to prove anything. We don't have to have a match. You guys are coming for us, and we're just going to dispatch of you very easily anyway. But was that all four of us for Brazongo? Yeah. Did you pick them? Yeah, I, I pick. I think all, all of us just want them try, to win. <laughs> we just all want them to win. How that'll be the pop of the night? Yes. If they win. Yeah. For sure. Like Nakamura will get a good reaction when he comes out. But I don't know if any single moment will get a bigger pop than if Brazongo are holding up those titles at the end of the match. That's a good point. Um, we have another New Day vignette. Nothing really to talk about there. Well, I'll just chime in real uh-huh. quick. What are the chances they come back as heels? Because they are being like overly faced in the vignette. Bro, New Day is already overly faced. But what if it's like a switch I hope it's like and it would make sense I mean, style because like. you would think they're gonna go right for the titles well the, you know it'd be a, a good way or they could even are they supposed to be back this coming week no just coming soon yeah coming I, think, soon? I think it said June something uh, I didn't know there was a date because I was gonna say I mean you know the the fashion police could win and then they get assaulted afterwards there's that. I just think a lot of people, including us, have been clamoring for uh, the New Day to return to their heel tactics. Mm-hmm. What better time? Well, first thing I'll say, that hasn't even crossed my mind that they would do that. Second thing I'll say about that is I have referenced so many times on this show the week when they were challenged, one of the weeks when they were challenging John Cena to the U.S. title. And. They came out and did their whole New Day shtick, and Cena ultimately said, like, you guys aren't serious enough. You guys are are too busy playing around to be a real threat to anybody. Ziggler accepted the challenge that night, and they dragged Ziggler's lifeless body out from the back. And I just remember Xavier Woods saying, is this serious enough for you, John? And I was like, this is going to be incredible. (laughs) Like, Xavier Woods being like, Almost like they're like sadistic, like mean heels instead yeah. of like jokey, obnoxious heels. I was like, this is going to be a lot of fun. And then they never actually did anything with it. On SmackDown, two days later, Cena and Ziggler and somebody else, maybe Ryback, God only knows who it was, you know, beat them in a match on SmackDown, and that was kind of the end of that whole thing. I think it's the perfect time to do that with them because. I don't want to say they were getting stale as a whole because a lot of people still like them, but they were definitely not at the high that they were this time last year. Yeah, I mean, I, like, obviously their merchandise sells, and, you know, they come back and they want the tag titles. It may interest people, but I think a lot of people are so far behind the fashion police right now, they're not going to care about the, the New Day yeah. know, going for those. The, the New Day has to end. That's the, that's what it is. Like, it's the trains come to a stop because they've been together for almost three years now, believe it or not. It's almost it's almost three years. At the end of the year, it'd be three years. They've been together, and they're not going. I don't think they'll turn them heel because they're so they make so much money and so so much merchandise for the company. Xavier Woods is like Vince is like one of Vince's right hand men. It's like with sell, with selling things and getting things out there. <laughs> Damn perverts. <laughs> but that like the new day has run its course completely, and that's why they've been so still because like there is nothing for them to do. 
But it's, they're basically untouchable because of because of how over they are, and you're not going to just turn them heel because of how over they are. Yeah, I, I think it would be an interesting thing they could do, and then being heels could ultimately lead to them breaking up or maybe one member going his own way. I predicted that in 2016, one of them would win a singles title. That obviously didn't happen. But I wouldn't be shocked if one of them did it in 2017. Uh, so, I don't know. That That's actually a good point, uh, Act, that I never really thought of. I would actually like to see that. Um Ziggler and Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> Not the best build to a match. I did like the this. Was the, this, this was week, the best though. build. This was the best thing for the entire build. I will be perfectly honest that I didn't fast forward it, but I literally retained not one second of it. My, in my note, it just says more of Dolph complaining and whining, saying Nakamura hasn't done anything yet. Is that ultimately what he did? Well, the whole video package was he was like, "This is a highlight reel of what Shinsuke Nakamura." And then Shinsuke there was nothing. Done. Yes, it showed his it showed his entrance, his um, the name on his entrance, and that was it. And it went blank, which was perfect. And then he showed all his highlights, which were way better. Time for made me sad. It, it was <laughs> sad. So it was sad. sad. <laughs> it was like a memorial to the guy. And I was like, oh, he he was. Did a he show champion. himself on on the phone with his mom saying how hard he no. tried? No, that's the best thing he did in a long time. <laughs> I wish they showed that. But it was like such a memorial to Dolph Ziggler. You see all the happier times in his career. Mm-hmm. But this is the best build because I've said for the longest time, Dolph Ziggler's not the kind of guy you want leading the feud on the microphone. Yeah. And this went straight to the point and actually, like, cemented what his whole point's been. Nakamura has, quote-unquote, done nothing mm-hmm. since he's been here. And you love him. Yeah. So, what are everybody else's thoughts? On this whole thing, I think it might main event the show. <laughs> I, I actually I did have a thought about that last week. I think it might. T- I mean, they're making Shinsuke the face of this show. I think we're underestimating how good this match is going to be. Oh no, no no! I'm not underestimating it. The match is going to be awesome. There's no doubt about it. The match is going to be great. I actually keep forgetting a score in the card. Um, <laughs> I actually, It'll be a hidden gem. I actually, <laughs> the podcast started, I forgot. Uh, we got into discussing about several matches. I still forgot. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay, every SmackDown title, never mind, there's what, three SmackDown titles? All right, two's going to be defended. There's a six-man tag. Dillinger's on a pre-show. I forgot about this match. This match is going to be awesome. Um, obviously, I'm predicting Shinsuke wins. The the buildup has not been great, but it's just one of those things. They've had a hard time in a couple of different directions, which way to go. Uh, Nakamura hasn't been in a match. Uh, Ziggler's doing the right thing, pointing that stuff out. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily the greatest heel, and he's not greater on the mic. But again, that boy can work in the ring. You put Ziggler in there against Nakamura, this could rival Nakamura's first match in WWE. He's going to bump like he's in there with Andre the Giant oh, on man. Sunday, I feel he, like. He might end up in the front row. I, th- I think when he takes the uh, Kinshasa, I think he'll go over the top and he'll end up sitting next to someone <laughs> in the second row. So Derek and I were speaking earlier this evening, and his prediction was that uh, Ziggler would go inside out on the Kinshasa, which, I believe it. which is what I, what I think he's going to do. But, yeah, he's going to sell the hell out of the Kinshasa. And basically everything else that Nakamura does. 
So I have not been sleeping on what the quality of this match will be. I just have not cared about anything they've done leading up to it. Uh, Prep, who wins? Shinsuke. As if I have to ask. Shinsuke, for sure. Eck? Hey, Shinsuke's going. Alo, just as a formality. The artist. Okay, yes. The artist known as Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> oh, man, I thought we were going to get through a whole show without <laughs> mentioning that. Even I... Didn't want to mention it this just, week. Just to piss you off, the artist, <laughs> the artist will defeat the answer. <laughs> oh, two of my least favorite things that they've come up with. Uh, Sami Zayn and Baron Corbin. I think next to Goldberg returning, those are the two. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's not... There's stuff that... Okay, I think the number one thing that's pissed me off is Goldberg. <clears throat> number two is the Brooklyn crowd at SummerSlam. <laughs> then these may be a tie for third. They just well. really annoy the hell out of me. Very well. Um, Zayn and Corbin, not a whole lot of build to this. We've seen them a little bit the last couple weeks. Corbin obviously attacks Zayn during his interview with Dasha Fuentes on Tuesday. Is there a lot to talk about, or if you just do predictions on this? I just hope. Like, it's one of those things, I'm a fan of both. See, this is, this is actually the opposite of your feeling on AJ and Owens. It's like there's no real good outcome because somebody's exactly. getting screwed. <laughs> exactly. You make a damn good point there. Because, but at the end of the day, I just want Zayn to win. Yeah. I, I want him to win because he was screwed in Raw and he came to SmackDown. He was there for two he weeks. He didn't get screwed on Raw. And, and he was just sitting there like, damn, I'm not winning here either. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I hope he wins. I, I think the way it, it goes, and as much as people won't want to see it again, What's the what's the winning perk? Like where where does the winner go from this? I have um, no idea. If, if the babyface wins and the heel wins in the United States Championship, you know, we could see for the eighty seventh time Owens and, and Zayn. People will hate that, but they'll love it at the same damn time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not mad about that if that happens again. But at least there's a title. I do want to see it. I I think the best thing that Sami Zayn can do if he's not going to be on top is. Be in some type of tag team. Well, same thing with Sami Zayn. Like I said, everybody wants Sami Zayn to be in a prime position, but this was Sami Zayn in NXT. Mm-hmm. He, he he'll show up, like he will get his opportunities, but for the most part, he lost the big matches. But not the, not the biggest matches, but like when it, everything was oh, on the line. Oh, his big matches, he lost. Well, he did win. Well, he came well, he up short. He won the title, but he came up short the first few times. But when something actually matters, he always overcomes the odds. Like he's only had a few matches in that predicament, and that was against Neville. At our evolution, and then he had Kevin Owens and Payback. Those last year, those are his, I mean, not Payback, um, Battleground. Those are basically his two most important matches in WWE. Other than that, that's this has been Sami Zayn's character. We want him to do better stuff, but when in doubt, when Sami Zayn's facing somebody, you pick against Sami Zayn. So Baron Corbin's gonna win this match, and and Money in the Bank. I'm predicting now. Yeah, I'm predicting Baron Corbin too. Even though he's kind of gotten demoted a little bit, I'm taking Corbin. Uh, prep your prediction. Yeah, I take. Sami Zayn, just to be different. Okay, Eck, you are picking Zayn, or you just want Zayn? I'm picking Zayn, because okay. I want him. All right, and so we, we got a split right down the middle. Zayn will bump all over the place with Baron Corbin. No, he will. They've had good matches yeah. before. Yeah. yeah, that will NXT, be a good match. So. And it's not on the pre-show, which I was worried about last week. Yo, besides the main event... It's going to be, or besides the title match, it's going to be and a I good know, card. You know, the good thing about this podcast, <laughs> we're pointing out, if you're listening to this before Backlash, you're going to want to watch this. It's going to be a good card. <laughs> yeah. For the WWE Championship. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an underrated card. Because you look, when, you, when you look at an event, you look at the main event first, and you're like, okay, who's this guy? Yeah. 
No, I agree. I, I think, and I've always said this, I made the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, <laughs> comparison a couple weeks ago. Every superhero movie has a following, whether it's Batman, Superman, uh, Thor, Captain America. Everyone has an idea of what they want this movie to be. And people inevitably disappointed be, be disappointed because someone other than their mind is writing the, the script. So it's not going to be what they envision. Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't care what anybody says, nobody's been reading Guardians of the Galaxy all this time. Mm-hmm. So people went into that as like, oh, cool, it's a Marvel superhero movie, but they don't know anything about it. So they get to watch it with like new, like fresh eyes. Like, I have no expectation. Oh, wow, this was good. But then the second one, now Alo loved it. Uh, I believe C.K. and Joe loved it. But I read a lot of reviews of people that hated it. And it's like, yeah, now they have the expectation and it's harder to live up to. Ayla, my best friend over here, he's a Batista Mark now. <laughs> Blue Tista. Are you a Blue Tista Mark or are you just a Drax Destroyer Mark? Drax. I'll, I'll reiterate, he was fantastic. And CM Punk writes a Drax the Destroyer comic book uh, for Eck. The, uh, uh, they're bodies. They, the straight edge superhero over here. There's nothing straight edge. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why you're, that nickname works. You're mixing works. me up with your other podcast. I, th- I think that's why straight. that nickname works for you. Is because you're not straight edge. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think the low expectations actually helps uh, these shows. What was it? WrestleMania 31. Everybody's like, "Oh, that that tug of war for the belt. This thing's gonna suck." And then Rollins cashes in, and everybody's over the moon about WrestleMania 31. So the high expectations makes it really hard for people to judge it as a good show. The low expectations leads to people kind of praising a show you didn't expect. I guess now is as good a time as any to bring in our very special guest, the new CZW World Heavyweight Champion, the Man of the Hour, Leo. Rush, Leo, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you for, for having me on. It's an honor. Uh, well, it's an honor for us as well. It is a pleasure. Uh, as I said, you are the new CZW World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, you posted a video uh, calling your son right after you had won the, the title. Um, I think we, unfortunately, are a little more excited than he was. Is that is that is that right? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was not too uh, excited at all when I caught him. <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> now, what I wanted to ask, I couldn't make it out. Did he say okay, or did he say I don't care? Uh, no, he said okay. He okay. Flat out okay. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, whatever. It's cool if you got a belt. It doesn't matter. But did he like it when he saw it? Oh yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was definitely ready for his photo shoot when he saw the belt. <laughs> the little champ, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, again, it, it's an honor to have a world champion on the show. I believe. Are you the only two-time Shamrock Cup winner? Uh, not the only two-time Shamrock Cup winner, but I am the only uh, two-time back-to-back uh, year uh, Shamrock Cup winner. Okay, so the only one to win it back-to-back years. Also, the ROH yep. top prospect in 2016. Uh, when did you start wrestling exactly? I started wrestling. Well, I started training. I believe early 2014. And uh, I started to, um, eventually, once I graduated uh, my training in school, I started doing shows in 2015. So I've been doing this a little over two years now. So you've, you've actually accomplished an awful lot in just over two years. Did you think 
Like, did you see this for yourself two years ago when you first you had your first match? Um, I didn't. I knew. Well, I, I went, I'm not going to say that I knew, but um, I had a feeling that I would accomplish a lot. Uh, it kind of came to a surprise to me that I accomplished it so fast. Um, I think that's the only thing that kind of came as a shocker for me. But um, I always had it in the back of my head that I knew that I was going to succeed in, in, in wrestling just because of how dedicated I was to the business. Now, I read somewhere that you got into wrestling um, when you were in middle school. That's when you started to watch it. Uh, who? Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, you, you, you were right. Um, about, you know, in the elementary, uh, beginning of the middle school, yeah, that's when I really started into it. Um, now, who were some of the guys that you looked at at that time that made you want to actually go ahead and do this as a career? Uh, the first match that I ever seen was Rikishi versus Booker T, and that's what kind of uh, took my interest. Um, but I didn't really want to become a professional wrestler until I started seeing guys like Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, um, Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, Mysterio, Tajiri, all those guys that were in that kind of ruthless aggression era that, that came up with, uh, like Johnson and Randy Orton. So when I started to see all those guys, that's when I actually wanted to pursue a career in professional wrestling. So it wasn't like right from the first second you saw it, but eventually you saw some guys that made you want to do it. Yeah, yeah. I was always, when the first match that I saw, you know, that's what made me a fan of it. Um, I didn't want to be a wrestler, though, right away. I was pretty happy to baseball um, when I was younger. Um, but, one, again, once I saw those guys like Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Jeff Hardy, those are the guys that made me actually want to be a professional wrestler. So is there any one of those guys that you think you've patterned yourself after more? Have you picked little pieces from from different guys? Uh, yeah, I definitely think I've picked uh, you know, little pieces from, from different guys that I've been watching. Um, but I, I definitely think that uh, the style that I have right now is definitely influenced by amateur wrestling. Uh, I amateur wrestled for, for five years, and I, I kind of feel like my style, my quickness kind of came from amateur wrestling. And was, is it true you were actually an All-American Amateur wrestler? Uh, yeah, yeah. My uh, my sophomore year, uh, I got all American status. Uh, I was fifth in the nation at the weight class of one, one twenty one. One twenty one. So, yep. <laughs> where were you height wise for that weight class? Uh, height wise, I was about five four. Um, yeah, about five four, five five ish. Uh, actually, I I was one of the bigger. Uh, 121 pound guys. Um, I always had to cut so much weight. I, I probably was cutting weight from about 135, going down to 119, 121. So I was I was pretty big for for the weight class that I was in. I think that's why uh, I kind of dominated that that weight <laughs> class at that age. <laughs> so you were like the monster of the 121 weight <laughs> class. Yeah. <laughs> What is is that one thing you definitely don't miss about pro wrestling is you're not actually cutting any weight for anything? Uh, 
He says, you are, do I not miss that? Yes. Is that like one of your favorite things about transitioning to pro wrestling, where your weight is not Oh, issue? yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, it was so hard. It was it was so hard um, trying to cut weight in, in, uh, in high school. Uh, I think that was the most difficult thing I've, I've ever had to do in my life. But, uh, yeah, the transition over to professional wrestling was definitely a huge help. It made me enjoy wrestling a lot more. Leo, it's Aaron here. I'm a, my first in-person side of you was when you fought Tony Nese at the House of Hardcore in Philadelphia this past December. And I was a big fan of your style. And if if you ever listen to the show, you'll know that I'm a big fan of the Lowdown by D'Lo Brown. So when, anytime, oh, I see, okay. <laughs> anytime I see a, frog, a Lowdown frog splash, I pop anytime. <laughs> but um, when you were training, did you want to, did you emulate anybody? In, in um. um. No, not really. Uh, when I was training, I, I I just remember always saying to my trainers that I didn't want to be a high flyer. Um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to be like a quicker guy, not really doing a whole bunch of springboards or or uh, a whole bunch of stuff that regular high flyers would do. So, you know, that's the only thing that I remember when I while I was training. Uh, I know that they have said that I might have to do a lot of that stuff, but I always try to find a way to uh, work around um, high flying all the time because I was an amateur wrestler in, in high school and I was always on the ground mat wrestling. So I hate leaving my feet. <laughs> <laughs> so as much as you can do it, it's not necessarily something you seek out to do that often. Oh yeah, definitely. There's, there's plenty of stuff that I can do. I just choose not to. Because that leads to another thing I was wondering. Watching your match uh, at Sacri Sacrifice was the last pay-per-view, correct? Yes. Okay. Do you prefer that style of a more slower-paced, hard-hitting, physical storytelling match than more of the athletic showcase? Um... I feel like uh, I'm a very versatile uh, wrestler. I feel like I can do any kind of style of wrestling. Um, I think that a lot of people have seen that over the, the last two years um, that I've been wrestling. But um, I feel like whether it is that you know show, showcase kind of wrestling match, or you know, like you said, that slow, um, that slow-paced match, uh, I think I can get a story out of out of any match kind of match that, that I do, but I wouldn't say that there's really a uh, a match type that I prefer um, just because I'm pretty heavy on the psychology aspect of uh, professional wrestling, so um, I think that I can get a, a great story out of, out of any match that I do. Of course, I would like to not do as much um, in every match like that showcase match, but, um, you know, I, I enjoy both. Okay, so you're a jack of all trades. You could excel no matter which way you have to work. Correct. Um, now, I'm glad you brought up psychology, and this, this is actually something that I really wanted to get into. The Your entrances that I've seen in CZW specifically are some of the most affecting entrances that, I've, that I see in wrestling today. Like the, the one uh, before your match against Sammy Callahan at uh, Cage of uh, Death 18. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I was watching it earlier today with goosebumps from the uh, the Paint It Black song, 
uh, Lady Deja coming out and laying the flowers down, your body, you know, the shot of your back getting closer to the screen, and then you coming out, every look on your face, uh, your, your body language, your mannerisms, the way you close your hand into a fist, but you don't just ball it up, it's like every knuckle closes one at a time. It's almost, I don't know if, that, if there's a conscious effort into everything you do, or if that just kind of happens in the uh, heat of the moment. But w which would you say it is? Is everything as thought out as it seems? Um, it definitely is. Uh, I'm glad that you that you brought up the the, the knuckle question. <laughs> um, that's the that's the first that's the first time I've heard somebody bring that up. Um, I definitely wanted people to notice that though. You know, all of my mannerisms are. Uh, uh, it's kind of scary, but you know, uh, I, I do things best when when it comes natural uh that entire that entire um you know gimmick that i do and cdw kind of came natural to me it wasn't really something that i thought out um i was going through something very uh um, traumatizing in my personal life at the moment and i think that the emotion that was going you know, from my personal issues, transition over into that very entrance, um, which is what you said, the, the KJF entrance. Yeah. I think that was the first time where I truly engaged into that character because I did it before um, with Joey Janela, but I think that KJF, uh, our pay-per-view was, was definitely the one that grabbed everybody's attention. So I'm glad that you picked out all of those little, those little <laughs> things that I wanted uh, people to, to notice. Uh, there, there was one other thing I noticed, and this may, I'm known, I think, for reading too much into things in wrestling. <laughs> um, you had the, the black face paint almost as if, like, you know, there was black goat running through your veins or something like that in that entrance. Yeah. Then at... It was your first match with Gacy. I don't remember which show it was. Um, it looked like there was a little more. Like it almost, it was as if it was like a virus that was spreading throughout you. Was that the intention <laughs> behind that? Yeah, yeah, that, that was. Uh, that's definitely what the case was. Um, you know, I'm glad that you could that you could see the progression um, throughout the character because um, I, I always like to make it. Uh, you know, a little more every show. You know, it's not like we're on WWE Raw and we have, you know, week after week after week to kind of draw out um, this huge thing. So I kind of like to, uh, every CZW show, I kind of want to evolve just a little more. So um, I believe when I had my, my match with Johnny Silver, and that's when I first brought out the white suit. And then... Um, I wore the white suit again for the latter match with with uh, Joey Janela, but of course in that dark character. And then that's when I started using the painted black. And then the suit slowly started to turn to black. And that's when I started wearing that black suit with the the white stripes mm -hmm. all throughout it. And then, um, you know, eventually uh, the, there won't be any colors anymore. So I'm glad that you can see the progression um, that the, the character is starting to build to. Leo, speaking of pro speaking of progression, what part of your game has grown the most since winning the top prospect t tournament last year? Um, you, you mean as far as you know my game, like in the in the in the business? 
Yes, because um, Ron was just talking to you about your entrance and just a little mm -hmm. things of mannerisms, all that in general. Uh, I think uh, the one thing that has progressed the most is my my confidence level. Mm -hmm. um, just being able to uh, keep up with those guys that were on the, the Ring of Honor roster. You know, those are the, the best wrestlers in the world. So... Um, for my name to come up in the same conversation as the Young Bucks or Adam Cole or Jay Lethal and in the sense of, you know, stealing the show or, or being match of the night, um, that definitely raised my confidence level. Um, once I had left Ring of Honor and going back on the, the Indies. So um, it showed me that, uh, you know, I'm not just, I'm not just some rookie. And uh, I can I can keep up with the best of them. Uh, now, there, there's actually something I want to go going back. Aaron mentioned that the progression, and you mentioned the progression in your confidence. I was watching your WWE Tough Enough audition the other day. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> uh, and well, there there was nothing wrong with it. There was actually something very specific I picked out about it. You at one point you say that you eat, sleep, and you will eat, sleep, and breathe wrestling. And I associate that phrase with Triple H. I do a bad Triple H impression, and I always <laughs> use that phrase. I've also noticed that you have used a sledgehammer in a few matches. Is there any way that Triple H has had an influence on you as a wrestler? Is that just coincidence? Um, Triple H. Uh, actually, I remember uh, watching a Tough Enough episode, and it's a pretty popular episode. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember when he was, uh, I forgot which year it was, but I remember there was a scene when he was in the ring talking to everybody, and one of the guys' shorts was was ripped, and he said that his nuts was hanging out. <laughs> and, uh, and he was talking about um, how much sac how much you had to sacrifice if you wanted to to make it in the business, and um, you know just saying how much you would be away from your family, or uh, you got to be super mom or super dad once you once you come back home. Um, so that kind of that kind of woke me up and and um, made me realize that you know if I did want to succeed in the business, if I wanted to get at uh, the level of uh, all of those guys, that I, you know that's what I needed to do. I needed to eat, sleep, and breathe wrestling. And um, actually, those were the first words uh, that was said to me when I asked a, uh, a former WWE superstar, which is a current WWE superstar now. Um, Matt Hardy, he was the mm. first person I ever asked uh, any kind of advice um, for in professional wrestling. And I, I asked him, what, what did I need to do to, you know, succeed in the wrestling business or, you know, be at a level that, that he was at? And he said that I needed to eat, breathe, and sleep professional wrestling. So those words stuck with me ever since 2014. So Matt Hardy, where I'm surprised at that. That was not who I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. You got that from. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Aaron sitting next to me right now is uh, maybe the biggest Matt Hardy fan that I know. So he's he's oh, smiling nice. <laughs> smiling from ear to ear over that. <laughs> Speaking of um, your tough enough tape, I believe you went to high school with Patrick Clark. Is that correct? 
Uh, we didn't go to the same high school, but we did um, amateur wrestle in the same county. Uh, he went to Forestville High School, and I went to Duval High School, uh, which isn't that far from each other. And, um, you know, both of those wrestling teams, of course, were in the same county, which was PG County. So uh, we knew of each other, yeah. Okay. Also, um, I believe you two are MCW Tag Team Champions. How was that experience with you teaming with Patrick Clark? Because he's one of the most colorful characters on NXT that we're actually looking forward to seeing. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is uh, – that, that was a pretty cool experience and, and moment for the both of us. Um, that was around the time where Patrick had just got um, – had just got off of that Tough Enough show and uh, – you know, so everybody was super excited to, to see him back in our home promotion of MCW. And uh, once we won those tag titles, there was, it, was, it was pretty special because, um, you know, we started together. And for him to, you know, go on national television and kind of make a name for himself with the whole uh, Tough Enough show and for him to come back. And it, it was almost like uh, unfinished business. You know, because he left so suddenly um, on that show, and we didn't get a chance to, you know, go out and really do as much tag team um, stuff as we wanted to. So when he came back and we we won those titles, it was it was pretty cool. Um, have you been keeping up on on what he's doing now in NXT at all? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he is. Uh, he is finding himself <laughs> right now, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think he, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to to see, you know, what he has to offer to the the NXT product. Um, I know he had, he's had his his cameos every now and then. Um, the deal with Shinsuke uh, coming out and um, doing a few a few uh, singles matches with Rich Swan, and I think his recent one was with Sean Maluda. Um, but the reaction that he's been getting from um, the crowd so far has been pretty good, but I definitely don't think that that is – that wasn't even the start of what we're going to see with him. Um, I think <laughs> that those – I think that those were just, uh, you know, his warm-up matches to try to find who he is as a performer and as, and uh, you know, as a as a wrestler. So once the full package is there, and I believe he just had a, a vignette that that aired um, not too long ago. So I'm sure you'll be seeing him uh, <laughs> on NXT pretty soon. So um, it, it's 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 very exciting to see. Speaking of that character, he embodies it to the fullest. What do you think about this Vel the Velveteen Dream character? And has this, is this something that he's been wanting to do in the past? Um, Patrick has always been the one to do anything to grab people's <laughs> attention. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it didn't surprise me when I did see uh, the direction that he was going. Um, it's <laughs> it's pretty funny. It, it's it's pretty funny, but I'm definitely uh, looking forward to, to seeing what what he's gonna do with it. Yeah, we uh, we attended an NXT live event. Um, this was maybe what was it 
February they this were past February, yes. And that was one of the highlights of the night for me, was seeing him come out, the the theatrics and everything. <laughs> I, I think it's great. I think there's a lot of promise there. Is there any coincidence that both you and Patrick kind of came into your own as characters right around the same time? Um, I think that I think that we did. Um, you know, it was it was rough for us. Uh, we, like I said, we split so suddenly, and it kind of forced us to, I want to say, uh, excel quicker and find ourselves quicker to, you know, make an impact on the wrestling world. Um, so I, I, it was about around the same time where we both kind of started to find ourselves as, as characters and as performers. It was it was hard for us to break out of that tag team uh, situation, but once we uh, once we got it down packed, I think it worked out for in, in both of our favors. Now, you being obviously a, an emerging name on the independent scene, I think a lot of people view independent wrestling as, you know, it's a, it's a spot fest, there is no character, there is no storytelling. I think you coming up with this character that you came up with in the spot that you're in now, especially at such a young age, one, speaks a lot to your creativity, and two, it shows that there guys out there can do more than just go out there and do flips and, and dives, as has been the, uh, the popular term the last few days. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I was a person who really was only, only really knew about WWE until I went to a House of Hardcore show back in, I believe, 2015. And then I started to see, like, oh, wait, pro wrestling is so many different things. Like, one of the messages we try to get across on this show is we all are fans of wrestling, we all love wrestling, but none of us looks at it through exactly the same eyes. We all kind of like different things about it. And you go to an independent show, you see all of those different things, and everyone can find something that they like. Um, But do you think with your creativity, because I almost wonder, do you like the control that you have over what you do on the independents more so than you would have in, say, NXT, where they're kind of packaging what they want you to do. Like, do you think this is a much better spot for you to be in right now? Um, you know, it's hard to say because I haven't been there. Mm-hmm. But I do think um, what, I, what I'm doing now is, uh, is, is good for me. Um, I guess I can kind of compare it to me being in Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really have much control as I would have liked to with the direction of the, I guess, character that I had. <laughs> um, but, but me being on the, the indies has definitely given me, given me the freedom to kind of uh, control my own, um, my own way of doing things, my own way of doing things. And, uh, you know, it's not like if I was on Ring of Honor and I didn't like what I was doing, I can switch it up because we're on TV. So I kind of have to stick with whatever I'm doing and kind of slowly transition my way out of it. Right. Whereas if I'm on the indies, if I don't like something or I'm not getting the reaction that I would like to, you know, I can just go to the next show and try something completely new or completely different. So I think me being on the indies is definitely helping me a lot because it's given me different crowds to work in front of. It's given me it's given me different promotions and um, you know just different people to 
to do different things um, and see what works and what doesn't. So uh, I, I definitely think at this age and my level of, of experience that this is what's best for me at the moment. How do you feel about the term sports entertainment? Um, a lot of people don't like it, but I am glad that that's what it's called because that's what it is. Um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, it's, it's all a show, man. It, uh, it's all about entertaining the people and the and the audience. And if you don't, if you can't get them behind you or get them engaged in what you're doing or um, to get them to to interact in whatever you're doing, it it doesn't matter. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, I definitely think the the term sports entertainment is is the right term for what we do. Do Do you think this could be kind of like an a, a generational thing? Like if you listen to Stone Cold, he hates the word sports entertainment, or some guys like that. But and I actually have written down here in my notes for something I wanted to say to you. A lot of people do look at the term sports entertainment as like a bad word, but you actually embody all of the things that make up sports entertainment. Like I mentioned, all those little details that I picked out in your entrance, a lot of the things you do in the ring, like you are a sports entertainer, and that to me is more important than just the wrestling. You are a great wrestler in the ring, but you're offering people a reason to care about what you're doing in the ring. Yeah, because I remember at um, House of Hardcore in Philly, I was sitting second row against Tony Nese and gave everybody the death stare, and I actually actually bought it. I was like, wow, this guy's awesome. You know, I, I don't get why people don't <laughs> like the term because, um, you know, if people get offended uh, that people are calling it sports entertainment, I, I'm not really understanding why because the word sport is in it. And I do believe that this is truly is a sport because if you're not an athlete or you're not, you know, athletic at all, I don't believe that you will be able to do this. Um, <laughs> professional wrestling is, is, is pretty pretty damn hard. <laughs> um but, you know, the entertainment factor is definitely very important. And I could be biased because, I, you know, acting is something that I want to pursue, too. So I kind of focus in both areas. areas. But um, I, I definitely think that sports entertainment is, is the right term for, for what we do. Leo, you mentioned um, a little while back about if something didn't work, you would change your character, change it around if, if it doesn't work. Where did the idea for the Blackheart version of Leo Rush come from? Um, like I said, it, it's, it's kind of something that just came naturally. Um, I, was, I was going through uh, some rough things in my personal life, and uh, it was all a combination of, you know, built-up emotion, uh, anger, um, frustration, uh, depression, and it, it, it all just, you know, formed into that into that character. Um, it wasn't really something that I had to, you know, sit down and, and think out. Uh, it, it like I said, it all just, I, it's it's very it's very confusing to uh, explain how it all um, came up, and I always try to find the best way to explain it to whoever asked me. Uh, where did this come from? But I always say that, you know, it, it wasn't something that I had to think out. It it all just came came naturally uh, from from personal life experiences and what I was going through at that time. And I feel like people uh, just, you know, they grasped and and understood and they kind of could 
um, feel that character so much because it was relatable uh, to, to some people, and it was it was it was something real, and I think that's why the the character um, got over the way that it did. So, with the whole realism factor of the gimmick, did it help you deal with the emotions at all? Um, it actually it did. Um, there's a uh, it, it did help me um, deal with a, a lot of things because. Uh, like I said, the emotion from the the personal life situations was uh, was kind of flowing through, you know, that character. So it was I kind of almost a release for me um, because I could um, I could just display that emotion through that person and not the person that I was you know, outside of the ring. I didn't have to deal with it outside of the ring because I already dealt with it inside of the ring, if that made, if that makes sense. So uh, it, it definitely helped me, helped me out a lot. That makes perfect sense. And actually, you mentioned a, minute, a moment ago that you, acting is something you want to pursue, and that's something that goes into acting, is being able to use real-life emotions to help convey a performance of a fictional character. Have you done any acting outside of the wrestling business? Uh, I have not. Um, I remember when I was about maybe 11 or 12 years old, I was in a short film that my family had produced. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, uh, I have absolutely no acting experience. Um, but, again, I've always been the a person to, uh, to that, that's been, like, self-taught. So, mm -hmm. like, uh, my family is really huge in the in the music industry and, the, the entertainment uh, business. So um, I, I taught myself how to, you know, I would teach myself how to play a certain instrument or I would teach myself how to use a camera so I can create my own, you know, visuals or, um, or uh, I, like I was, in, I was in high school and I would make my own like short films or my own mini documentaries and I taught myself how to use uh, editing software that um, that college kids would, would use. <laughs> so uh, I've always been a self-taught person. So um, it's, it's very easy for me to um, to learn something new. It's like I can just I can just look at it and you know catch on so quickly. Um, so I think that's the case with with. Uh, wrestling and um i can just watch a movie and and see certain people's mannerisms or the way that they they move or how they act or you know certain eye motions to to make people feel a certain way and i just pick up all of those little things and just apply it to what i do in the ring and um outside of the ring with my entrances and stuff like that so um yeah i've always been like a self-taught person but Definitely taking acting classes is something that, that I would like to do in, in, the, in the future. Now, not to be too much of a psychologist here, but a lot of what you said, do you think empathy is something that I think a lot of people are not blessed with? It, it sounds like you're uh, able to see how someone feels and kind of apply it to yourself. Yes, I think that is very big. Um, I think that's, that's the most important part of uh 
of of the psychology aspect of professional wrestling and um a lot of people don't have that and i i don't know it's 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 very weird to me how some people don't um but i don't know i've always been like a weird i've always been like just a weird ass person like growing up so me catching on to stuff like that and uh realizing that other people don't has always been like weird weird to me but it's almost like a uh, superpower i think that's very important yeah yeah exactly um now another thing i want to mention about czw i saw a tweet that they they tweeted a couple days ago that says the world has been sleeping on czw our turn to rise it's time to wake up then i saw a promo that you did for the next event which is it called evolution or evolution Evolution. <laughs> okay, evolution. I thought that promo was incredible. Um, are, are they maybe kind of trying to build this next generation of CZW around you, or are you just kind of part of whatever this, whatever it is they're building towards? Uh, I think I'm just, I'm just a part. Uh, I'm just a little piece of, in a, a part of a, uh, a much bigger picture. Um, it just so happens to be right place, right time for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I am fortunate enough to, you know, to be the guy in CZW right now where they are starting to transition into um, something a lot bigger. Um, so uh, I wouldn't say that anything, nothing is getting built around me, but I would say that I feel like um, a lot of what I've done in CZW has definitely been a huge influence on the direction that CZW is going towards. Um, I'm a product of the CZW uh, Dojo Wars, and for me to go to Dojo Wars to being the CZW, you know, world champion mm -hmm. in less than two years is incredible. So <laughs> I think that I'm starting to. Um, and that's another reason why I, I wanted to start doing these podcasts because I feel like uh, at first when I, when I first started training and a lot of people would see me on shows and um, they would always ask me questions or, or tell me, um, you know, how can I do this or how can I do that? I always just said that, you know, I don't feel like it's my time. It's not my time to, <laughs> to uh, teach anybody. Um, I don't want to... Uh, who am I to give anybody advice? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm on, I'm less than two years in the business. When I get to, you know, 10 or 20 years, I think that's <laughs> when I'll start doing, like, seminars and stuff like that. Yeah. But I've realized that, um, you know, my actions and the things that I've done in the wrestling business have in, kind of influenced this younger generation of wrestlers to um, kind of go in the same direction that, that, that I've gone. So, um, I think that CZW going in this, uh, new direction of, uh, starting to, um, focus on the, the younger guys and the guys that are more, you know, kind of into that, not showcase style, but just the, the more hybrid wrestlers and not so much, you know, deathmatch yeah. uh, style being the focus. Um, I definitely think, the, the path that I've taken has influenced um, 
the direction of where CCW is going now. And I think that's why I'm in the position that I'm in, that I'm in now in CCW. Well, it's definitely uh, deserved. And another specific thing I want to get into from uh, the last match with Gacy, there were a lot of weapons that were pulled out from under the ring, thrown into the ring, strewn all around the outside of the ring and in the ring by the end of the match. I cringed when I saw the garden weasel come out. It scared the hell out of me. <laughs> but as scary as that was, the thing that scared me the most was the Legos getting poured out onto the to, onto yeah. the ring. Yeah. I, as someone who has stepped on at least a dozen Legos in his life, I I got sick to my stomach when I saw you get power bombed onto those. Did it did twice. it feel as bad? Yes, twice. <laughs> did it feel as bad as my feet imagined that it would have felt? Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. I don't know if you saw after the first power bomb. I had a few of them stuck in my back. Oh yeah, there was like three uh, or four st- yeah. still in there. Yeah, but. Uh, Moments before that, I crushed a cinder block with a sledgehammer. Yeah. And I remember after that first power bomb, I said to myself, like, shit, I would have rather been power bombed on those crushed cinder blocks <laughs> that was next to it. Yeah, because those Legos hurt pretty bad. It's funny because it's a kid's toy, obviously, and we see, like, now there's Lego movies that are made for kids. <laughs> but I legitimately yeah. felt terror when I saw you get slammed onto those things. It's scary. I would rather get slammed on those than, or I'd rather get slammed on thumbtacks, I think, than Legos, in all honesty. Yeah, the Legos are pretty bad. I know a lot of people, like, saw the Legos and were like, what the hell is that supposed to be? But those are obviously people that have never stepped on a Lego before. Yeah, I, as someone with younger siblings, I have had my fair share of Legos end up under my bare feet. I even appreciated the way he kind of sprinkled them out on the mat as if they were a bag of thumbtacks. <laughs> Like, you really got the full effect out of it. Um, one thing I want to ask you, and I'm sure your size is not something you like to, to dwell on, but I wasn't five feet tall until I was 16 and a half years old. I was four foot 11 until I was a, into my junior year of high school. And then I grew a foot over the next two years. My size, especially through high school, played a big part in my self-confidence, the way I saw myself. It actually made me kind of an angry person because I felt like I had to fight for everything. What what effect does this does your size have on your career? And a follow up to that would be: Would you have any interest in being involved in another cruiserweight classic or the cruiserweight division? Uh, okay, well, the first uh, the first question about the height. Um, <laughs> I I've had to deal with that my entire life. Um, it's funny that you that you brought up the the whole being angry thing, um, <laughs> being little and feeling like you had to fight for everything. Um, actually, in elementary and middle school, uh, I used to. I'm like, people tried to bully me. Uh, I didn't used to get bullied. I actually <laughs> ended up being the bully myself because people would try to bully me, and I would. I would always just fight the person, and <laughs> I would, I, uh, and I would, I would never like lose a fight. Like it was, it was pretty bad. It, it got really bad in elementary school. I was in anger management. I was the only person in anger management <laughs> in that entire school. And uh, middle school is when it was, it was really bad. I, I got, I started getting, you know, suspended. Um, you know, but it was never, it was never really my fault. It was always because of other people tried to, 
you know, tried to bully me, and I always just defended myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, height hasn't really affected me um, at all. And I feel like um, because of that and because of me fighting, me having to fight all the time when I was younger, and, um, you know, no matter how big the person was when I was when I was younger, I would always, you know, come out on top. So I kind of feel like that has affected my mindset uh, now with me being um, a lot older. Uh, I always feel like, you know, height isn't an issue for me. And I always wrestle like a bigger person. So um, I think that's definitely affected the, the way that I'm right now. So um, as far as the uh, a Cruiserweight Classic or or some kind of uh, next cruiserweight thing. Mm-hmm. If that were to ever come up, you know, of course I would be stupid to to uh, to turn anything like that down. Um, <laughs> I remember, I remember right before I got signed with Ring of Honor. Um, you know, a lot of people said, "Hey, would you you sure you want to you sure you want to do Ring of Honor?" Um, you know, there might be other opportunities out there. And uh, and I would just remember wrestlers saying, hey, you, it's not a rush to, to go to uh, WWE or it's not a rush to go to TNA or whatever the case may be. Um, you can always stay on the Indies for X amount of years and kind of build a name for yourself. And I started to realize that these were all guys that were like normal-sized guys mm-hmm. or or bigger guys, you know, I never heard a smaller guy say that uh, <laughs> to me. Um, but kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, like I said, I would be stupid to turn anything uh, down like that. Um, I feel like that would be the case for a regular size guy to yeah. kind of turn down an opportunity somewhere big like WWE or, or TNA or wherever um, and kind of stay on the indies to make a name for themselves. Uh, but I feel like it's it's a much different situation for, for smaller guys, for cruiserweights, um, because, you know, we've been waiting for an opportunity like this for years. Um, there's always been just regular-sized guys in WWE or bigger-sized <laughs> guys. You know, opportunities for smaller guys, um, you know, weren't there for years. So, uh I would be a fool to turn anything like that down um, be, just because the simple fact that, you know, we've been waiting for cruiserweight opportunities to open up. So, uh, you know, why not take that opportunity now? And, you know, if I were to wait, you know, five, let's say five years from now, you know, they might not want cruiserweights anymore. Right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would be a fool to, to turn anything like that down. Yeah, uh, I think we have time for one more question, then we'll let you plug some of your upcoming appearances. Uh, we got one. Aaron wants to ask you one real quick before we get out of here. The money question for us is, will we see you August 12th at House of Hardcore in Philadelphia? You said, will you? Yes, <laughs> will we see you? August 12th. Uh, right now, I don't know what my <laughs> schedule is. Um, the, I have so many dates coming up that... Uh, 
that is just super overwhelming just because <laughs> the, the promotions that I am working for. Um, but my House of Hardcore days are far from over, I, I believe, so I wouldn't be too surprised if I did show up there. Um, but so that is a huge possibility that I might be there uh, <laughs> August 12th. Uh, well, we hope to see you there. Uh, we'll, we'll come and buy some T-shirts from you if you are there. Um, uh, anything that's coming up in the next couple weeks that you want to let people know about, where they can see you, where they can find you, uh, maybe social media? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would love to cover these. Uh, these next uh, few weeks are actually going to be pretty big. Um, this weekend, uh, Friday, I'm in, I'm in uh, Rosita, California for PWG. Okay. Uh, Saturday and Sunday. I am um, in Chicago and Detroit, Michigan for Evolve. Uh, next week, next Thursday, I'm making my debut for AEW in Illinois. Uh, the 26th, I'm in Defy for Seattle. Um, Saturday, the 27th, is a big one for me. I'm doing uh, another House of Glory show. Uh, my last one with Kim Broadway was pretty, uh, pretty successful and impactful mm -hmm. to a lot of people, so I'm glad that I'm going back to House of Glory in uh, Queens on the 27th. Is that and the then, title um, versus title match? Yes. <laughs> Looking forward yep, to that yep. one. <laughs> yeah, man. And then, uh, you know, after that, I'm in, I'm in California for uh, an entire weekend for PCW, FCW, and then Brave, uh, all debuts. And then the ninth, I'm uh, back in my home promotion of uh, MCW for uh, Jimmy's Famous Seafood sponsored show. Um, and then after that, I head to the U.K. for about uh, three weeks for uh, another uh, U.K. tour that I'm pretty excited for. So that's all what I have uh, coming up that's pretty recent. So it sounds like you're the hardest working man in professional wrestling right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I'd be overwhelmed with that schedule, too. Um, Leo, we don't want to take up any more of your time. We really appreciate you giving us your time uh, this evening. Congratulations again on the World Championship. Best of luck in the future. And we will have our eyes peeled for you at 2300 Arena on August 12th. Definitely. <laughs> All right, <laughs> thank Leo, you, thank you again. You take care. You have a good night. All right, thank you guys so much for, for having me on. It was, it was a pleasure. Yeah, well, pleasure was all ours. <laughs> Hopefully we get to talk to you soon. Definitely, man. Thank right. you. No problem. You take care. All right, take care. Thank you again to Leo Rush for taking the time. We have... Preptagon Jr. and Act 2 Fly rejoining us. So now I guess it's time to recap everybody's favorite three hours of the week. <laughs> Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw! Three hour pride and joy. Every yeah. Monday long night. ways away from what you just said. It is. <laughs> very long ways away. Uh, the whole show was kind of about, at least in my mind, was about them booking this fatal five-way for the number one contendership at Extreme Rules mm -hmm. between Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt, and Roman Reigns. Uh, I actually kind of like this segment because, one, I think it is good. Like I think they don't quite know at the moment who they want as the number one contender. So I think this is a good way to get their top guys all vying for it. Like, this shows how important the title is that all these guys want it. I, I like that, and I also like where, and I could be wrong. I'm sure there's been situations with the world titles recently that it was different. The thing I like about it, some of these guys 
you know, uh, Roman's been WWE champion, Seth's been WWE champion, Bray's done it, uh, Balor had the Universal title. Who's the fifth one I'm forgetting that was in the match? Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. Now, the, the odd man out where, you know, he's been champion in NXT. The thing I like about it, these guys, as much as they've been in that main title picture, there isn't someone dragging it where normally when they put this multi-man match, there's someone like Cena or or N or I don't want to say Sheamus is old, old, but like they'll pop in Sheamus or someone that's been there for a while. Yeah. These are, you know, Roman and Seth may not be so fresh, but these are kind of fresh guys in that main title hunt. Yeah. And it's purely the the new generation or their new roster, and that's what they're pushing ahead here. Um, basically, the goal of this is to pick a number one contender before Brock expires on his 130 mm-hmm. day, uh, defense <laughs> Yeah, why does he still have the title? Uh, they expanded it. It went from 30 days to 130 days. Okay. So I think by the time he defends it, it'll be at like 127 days, so he'll be fine. So one month to four months you have. Basically. All right. If you've had a UFC fight in the last calendar year. Yeah. <laughs> so you did like this, though? It had its, it had its um, positives and its cons. Uh, my worry is because obviously the direction was they're saying um, in the dirt sheets, per dirt sheets, that uh, Strowman was going to be the one to face Brock next. The thing I'm worried about is obviously Bray and Balor have a storyline. Joe and Rollins has a storyline. I think Roman's going to get popped right into winning this match. I hope it goes a different way. I think any other way, uh, we've seen Seth versus Brock, but Seth was a heel. He was, you know, kind of like the Weasley running away. Now he's charging. And that was almost the a non-match because yeah. the Undertaker came exactly. out. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But now, now Seth's charging into the fight, so this is going to be different. If Roman faces Brock, it's going to be basically the exact same thing with a different outcome. Joe has never faced Brock. This is something people have been clamoring to see. Bray we've seen, but I think he was her, or he was just kind of on the sideline. <laughs> and then Balor, I think, is the money match that everyone wants to say. Yeah. So th- this should be good. Yeah. Alo? I like that everybody won the title, and they actually remember the title for more than one week in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's my whole point of this. That's, that's what I did like about it. Other than that, it was your basic Raw segment. Hey, we're going to have a bunch of guys in the ring, and then one guy's going to be standing tall. And then we're gonna make matches out of it. I also did. I did like about this is that they're actually selling how you can't hang with Brock Lesnar. Yeah. They're actually selling that he's a, like a legit beast, having arguments. Like, look, I can take him. Yeah, you can't. So I do like that because there's actually five guys in this match. In this match, to actually going for going for a match against against Brock Lesnar, and the Strowman injury first. They say he's out six months, and then I saw this morning that he's out. Until mid-July again, it's like wh- whichever one it is, whichever one it is, I think it's good because I mentioned a few week, month, a few months back that when you have your when you have your your so-called giant against your top guy and your in the giant loses to the top guy, that you can be the Undertaker or you could be Kane, yeah, and you not be seen as serious. So the fact that Braun's actually hurt that may actually benefit him in the lo- in the long run. The matches, I thought the matches were fine. All, all, all three matches, I thought they were, I thought they were fine. The whole Roman Balor thing, I could see them go forever. Yeah, 
that's their second time facing each other neck and it was like a really good match. The whole double stomp to the chest thing, D'Lo would not be proud of the chest protector. <laughs> he, he really wouldn't because like I'm like that should have no effect on you, Roman, but you yeah. still sell it anyway. And I like the fact that Roman's actually still selling his injuries from this match because it's been almost a month now that he's actually still selling his injuries and actually being a part of all his matches. I respect that dive straight into the ring post. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. The only thing worse than that. Side. Uh, was Ember Moon getting thrown directly into the barricade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From the ring. Yeah. Under the ropes. Mm-hmm. Under the barricade. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I like that they acknowledged, because I didn't think they were going to do it. When Roman called out Finn for, you know, I don't think you can hang with the Beast, he was like, you know, Roman. I, it, was, it was running through my head, the dialogue for him to say, I'm like, this is what he should say, but he's not going to. And then... He was like my my first day here. Yeah, I beat you. It was I beat you. Be uh, was that before or after SummerSlam? <laughs> before SummerSlam. Summer okay, before SummerSlam. Yeah, that <laughs> I like that they at least acknowledge that. We got Bray and Seth for the first time. They it, remembered that, but they can't remember to defend the title. Yeah. <laughs> What did you guys think of these two men? I thought the Roman and Finn I match was both great. Matches. Yeah. Wait, what goes under the radar? Mm-hmm. What they in that first segment, they're showing the pictures of will it be this guy? Will it be yeah. this guy? My heart dropped when I saw a picture of Samoa Joe and Brock in the same thing. Yeah, I can't pop, wait. The crowd popped for that the most. Yeah, I'm dying. Yeah, I can't for that wait too. till that match happens. I honestly, that would, for me, personally, that would be the best scenario is Samoa Joe wins this thing and unseats Brock Lesnar. And then he's, because I've been saying this for a month, he is like the most believable monster on that show, even with Braun Strowman. You buy Samoa Joe as an absolute monster. His promos are unbelievable. The way he delivers his sentences is incredible. He's an imposing figure physically. He's great in the ring. I think if you have him beat Brock Lesnar, that just solidifies him as, like, this is your monster now. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. love to see that. And that would be so smart. I, who wouldn't buy into it? And this is coming from someone who did not care about Samoa Joe at all before probably his Finn Balor feud in NXT. I, and this is not me disliking him. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't watch TNA. He was a guy that I saw in, like, legitimately, like, just purely, like, judgmental... Not knowing anything, I'm like, oh, he's just kind of like a, a chunky Samoan guy, and his yeah. name is Samoa Joe. That's whatever. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, just, I thought literally nothing of him. Then I start watching him in NXT, and when he turned, especially when he turned heel, I was like, oh my! It was like a revelation. Like, oh my god, yeah. this guy is incredible. I should have been watching him ten years ago. Like that's how I felt. I didn't know what he was doing in Ring of Honor. I didn't know how well respected he was as like an actual in-ring worker so then I was like wow like I really misjudged this guy like I was way off and now it's like yeah he is I mean, which one of his matches with Balor can you not watch back and just be at all I mean those are awesome yeah he, he's great and I, I would love to Did see take him take over Dallas on yeah it was great he should have won that match yeah I, I when he says he merely like Finn they show him in the back and he's like I didn't win I just merely survived yeah like and that's I mean if we want to fast forward, I do think Finn wins the match and he goes on the face. So, just to point out how everyone popped the most for that, I mean, when you go through the sequence, 
I don't think no one's getting excited for Brock versus Bray. I don't really think the match even happened. Nobody's going to care if it does. Roman and Rollins, we've already seen with Brock. Mm -hmm. I, I do, again, I think it'll be good to see Rollins as a face against Brock. Um, now that the roles are reversed. Balor, he's not extremely young, but I think we could see this match a year from now, and it would still be something great. Joe, I think this is the perfect time to put If Brock's still here a year from now, because his contract's up for WrestleMania. Yeah, I now, mean, the same thing, whether it be at Mania. No, what I want to see is, since they've made such a big fuss about how these guys can handle Brock, I want to see Seth and Finn in a triple threat with Brock, because that, that actually makes things interesting, because Brock has to take on both these smaller guys, and he still, has, he still doesn't have to be pinned. I still think I, I'm. I just want to see that guy get pinned at this point. <laughs> I think a lot of people. I think anyone that's negative towards him, and I'm probably the most pro person here still for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not, like you know, it makes sense. He's still a monster. He's still someone that's going to put on a show. He still puts asses in the seat. Yeah. Who do you think wins this, Eck? Uh, I I think Roman's going to win, and I don't want that to be the case. But I think Roman's going to win. Halo. Finn. I'm kind of torn because. Just say Samoa Joe. <laughs> I know Samoa Joe is not going to win. I know Seth isn't going to win. I know Bray isn't going to win. So it's down to, to Finn and Roman. Just think of this. I really, in my heart of hearts, believe mm-hmm. next year's Mania main event Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar again. So I don't see that being that now. Yeah, I'm gonna say Finn. Well, you got you got some time. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say Finn wins that. Twelve? What is it? Twelve hours left? Yeah. I, I'm leaning towards Finn, but I could see it being Roman. Uh, we had the Intercontinental Championship defended on Raw between the Miz and the current champion Dean Ambrose. Uh, I thought Dean seemed like a little extra. Energetic. Yeah, look, you want to be there. Yeah, uh, I don't know if the Miz gets that crowd going so much that it, he does. That he's it, great. That it gets the other guy going, but <laughs> I did enjoy this match. I I did. I was I was into it. Obviously, for the obvious reason, yeah. I'm rooting for Dean. Yeah. There was false finishes, and I <laughs> I popped on the couch. Valentina's like, "What's wrong?" And <laughs> Mom pops up, says, no, 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 he's, you know, just a little overly invested. Yeah, I thought Miz running away, like, the entire first three or four minutes <laughs> of the match was great. I love that Dean knew all all Miz's dirty tricks and yeah. caught everyone. Mm-hmm. And was ready for everyone. That Maurice stood in front of the Miz on the uh, elbow. From and the, still jumped. And he jumped anyway, and she moved out of the way. That was so good. I Not so honorable in, in this instance. Um, Dean blocks. The misses low blow, gets a low blow of his own, gets himself disqualified, which leads to the dumbest part of Raw. Yes, the dumbest. Ah, well, right, I'm sorry. We'll, this, we'll get to that. This is infuriating. What was the dumbest part of Raw? To we'll you? get to that. You should go. Keep going. We'll get to it. Well, I was just gonna say we have the Miz with Maurice and Angle backstage with the Miz saying he wants his rematch. I. I popped for Angle trying to speak French back yes. and saying Je suis gold freaking medalist. <laughs> now, that's awesome. <laughs> that, that was entertaining. Je suis so gold hard. freaking medalist. That was great. The drifter slides in. 
I did enjoy Graves saying, at this point, this is not drifting, it's stalking. <laughs> um, so we get what? The, the Miz and Dean Ambrose at Extreme Rules with a DQ finish. At Extreme Rules, where you can get disqualified a little time. Yeah, disqualification. Makes no sense. So, so, I love it. So, so WWE's booked already about, and I'm guessing, it could be more, it could be less. It's probably less knowing my luck. They booked about four matches for this. They have no stipulations except that the Fatal Five Ways and ex- Extreme Rules match they're claiming. But normally now, anytime it's more than two people, it's no DQ. Yeah. They've been adding WWE logic. So Extreme Rules where... And this is like telling us it's going to be a DQ. The, the whole night is supposed to be extreme. It, it, it has not been that in years. Well, then what the hell? Why go with it? It hasn't been that way in years. Well, then what's the point of the name? This is a rabbit There's hole. No point for it. This is a rabbit hole. I don't personally want to go down anymore. I think I went down enough this time last year. I, I extreme Rules is a stupid pay per view to have when your product is PG because there's nothing extreme about it. It's one thing if they were to put this on something backlash, but they're telling me, you know, the rules are extreme, but. You do something dirty, we're going to take your championship away. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when Extreme Rules first came, every match had a stipulation, but they haven't done that in years. Last year was that? No, what? every match. No, when it first started, every single match had I a stipulation. I understand when you first started, but when did, I'm asking you when it stopped because you said it hasn't been done. A few like years ago. It's been at least four or five years. When was it? What was the show that uh, they had the tables match for the SmackDown Women's title? That was TLC. Oh, uh, it was TLC. Yeah. Um... Prep your thoughts on this whole thing. I love how Kurt's like, well, Dean's a fighting champion, mm-hmm. so I know he'll be okay with this. It's so stupid. It's really dumb. It I is. Just, I can just echo the same thoughts as you. And it's, it's just like, Miz was so good a couple months ago, and now, like, him and Dean, I'm so tired of, like, watching him and Dean, like... Yes, even Dean. Yeah. No, you're just tired of Dean. <laughs> We've seen a lot of it. In no, I, I, I love Dean, the Mrs. Oh, so, character. So Dean's but... not being entertaining on Raw? You're saying even Dean? Not so as he's the not Miz. entertaining on Raw? Not as The Miz. The Miz has been entertaining on Raw? Yes. Oh, interesting. He's <laughs> always entertaining. Oh my gosh, you're just wondering, God, he's not that entertaining. <laughs> I think he's that entertaining. Ah, uh, you guys overhype him way too much. I don't think we do. Oh, certainly. Don't. How do you overhype somebody that's the best part of every show on a weekly basis? I mean, that's a bold statement for Raw. Exactly. <laughs> that's saying something. The best segment is always The Miz. On SmackDown. He was the best thing on SmackDown. He comes to Raw, he's the only thing you talk about about Raw. That's actually good. But I think we just talked for 10 minutes about the main event. That wasn't that good. The Miz was better. So the Intercontinental Championship match was better than Balor. I didn't say the match. I said the Miz. Uh, I'm just trying to figure which segment. Next, the women's division. Now that's the stupidest thing on Raw. Yeah, Alexa Bliss <laughs> runs down Newark, New Jersey. Take was note. Fine. I did like that. Every superstar, take note from Alexa Bliss on how, how to handle a one chant. Yeah. Yes, please do that. Uh, Bailey comes out. I loved Corey Graves saying, "How dare Bailey interrupt <laughs> the goddess." Uh. Bailey invokes her rematch clause. It ends up with Bailey, after getting insult, insult after insult, a legitimately pretty vicious like shove against Alexa. I, I it was like, wow, like that kind of caught my attention. Kendo stick gets involved, and now we have a kendo stick on a pole match. 
Should they not have learned a lesson about anything on a pole match? If you guys, if you guys didn't pop and think of me when y'all heard this and, and thought I was going to yell, I did. Okay, thank you. Because I'm like, we, we clearly know what Kurt Angle was during the UK tour. He was out hanging with Vince Russo. And uh-huh. Vince Russo, come in, please. Yeah. Bro, you, you, you throw the freaking stick on the freaking pole, bro. That's what you got to freaking do, bro. The Attitude Era. <laughs> the Attitude Era, bro. And then and I'm like, what's so hard about this being a, Sing- a Singapore cane match? Uh, don't, they're not that different. It's not... What's so hard about that? You're going to go back and do this whole pole crap like that actually works. It it doesn't. And then the whole... Like, it I got love, them... They, they love social media mentions so much, but that got them roundly mocked on Twitter for like four hours afterwards. Exactly. And, and I, I'm sure Vince Russo's mentions went through the roof. And at the same time, Alexa Bliss just murdering Bailey is the saddest thing in the world. And then... Bailey's talking about, oh, I can get extreme. And when I just think about that, you you see Harold and Kumar when mm-hmm. they had the fake neighbors who kept talking about, oh, that's extreme. That's what Bailey was. Dude, <laughs> that was so not extreme. <laughs> exactly. That was that was how I saw Bailey at this point. It's like, yeah. Kurt, I want to get extreme. Like, what? Like, what is this? Yeah. I, uh, not a fan. Eck, a fan? I, I don't like the way that it played out at the end of the segment. That kendo stick shot was vicious. It was. Yeah, and she sold the hell out yes, of it. Yes, she did. Yes. Like, you would have thought she that she got hit. She sold just as good as Tommy Dreamer sold it when she hit him with it. Yeah, you you would have thought that she got hit in the back with the, uh, what was it called? The garden weasel that uh, <laughs> Joe Gacy brought out during the his match with Leo, Leo Rush, Rush over the weekend. I thought I thought she was pointing out sludgy. I almost, I almost <laughs> popped. I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, it she she really sold it. That part, that aspect of it was good, but that I'm just like, come on, did you really have to make it an on a pole match? Yeah, that's that was dumb. Oh, yeah, Why yeah. can't it just be like an extreme rules or a match, Singapore cane match or a street fight? Some, it's simple. Well, I'll go back to that. Maybe, well, maybe if they touch the Singapore before they get it off the pole, they'll get disqualified and the match will end. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we had Sasha Banks. <laughs> Losing to Alicia Fox with Noam Dar in her corner. They actually did. I'll give them credit. They mentioned the shoulder coming off the mat during the three count, which I still don't think that was intentional. They they mentioned that last week after the match. They did? Yeah. Okay, I didn't think they did. Um, I, in my notes, just put, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> but then, of all people, I saw Melina commenting on this match. Uh, last night, and her thing was, people are talking about it. They're actually in a story. She made the the point that Sasha blew the kiss to Noam Dar, kind of belittling Alicia Fox, and that led to Alicia Fox getting a one up on her. She said, "Now we." She said, "This is good booking, as far as I'm concerned, because people are talking about it. People are wondering what happened. Why did this happen?" Now you're interested to see what happens next. Well, the way I look at it, it, you guys said last week, you know, what is this? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're the same people that complain that the women's division doesn't have a second story going on. At least it's the second story. Yeah, I kind of saw it in not quite as negative of a light after reading those tweets from Melina. Alo, (laughs) now I know how you think about it. (laughs) Even even savvy veterans, they got to... 
shake the cobwebs off every now and then and get one, get one, get one in. Yeah. But <laughs> I was like, is, is this a thing? Like, it is a thing now. Like nobody, like did well, Foxy didn't even get a full entrance. No. Sasha got half it. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is like, is this a thing? I guess since she won, it's a thing now. And do not put Sasha anywhere near 205 Live. Do not put her nowhere, no, nowhere, anywhere in there, in nowhere, Amdar. Don't even make, make this about him. Because I do, I'm going to be very angry. Is Mikazi going to end up being <laughs> part of the 205 Live roster? Yes, I need it. Did you try to say uh, <laughs> Sasha Banks and Noam's voice? Uh, yeah, I don't think he can. Ba- Sasha no. Banks, there's no real <laughs> accent. Unless he called her like Sasha or something like that. Alicia Fox. Um. Tag division, Jeff Hardy beats Sheamus. Another rare occurrence where the champion beats the non-champion in a non-title match. Not anything big to talk about there. We had Enzo and Cass cutting a promo only to be interrupted yes. by the Titus brand yes. doing his best Enzo Mori yes. impression. And I thought it was pretty good. Better I thought it was Enzo. great. It was, so Enzo. it was great. Eck, what did you think of I, Titus brand? He's got the moves. Better than he's Enzo. I I loved it. Apollo the whole time, like trying like, to get his attention. I got yeah. today. Uh-huh. I finally know who Titus and Apollo Crews ought to be. Who? LeVar and Lonzo Ball. <laughs> <laughs> one has zero charisma. <laughs> and the <laughs> other one has is way too talkative. Yes, yeah, he's like, it's like, it's, it, Apollo's just like, he's like, he's like, well, that's Titus, well, that's my dad, that's how, that's how Apollo's taking it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Him saying, I'm not wrestling in a $3,100 suit and $1,200 shoes. Excellent. And then Kat saying, when this match is over, you're not going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. I loved him taking a men's warehouse reference <laughs> into that. Uh, Cass gets the win. Enzo takes the selfie. Yeah, and I was gonna be so mad that wasn't a thing. I'm glad Enzo yeah. came back and did it. And then he got kicked in the face. What took him so long to find the camera? <laughs> I don't know. And and Cass was like, "Well, you deserved it." Yeah. <laughs> but did anybody now, see the backstage segment? I did no. not. Uh, so, so Apollo comes in and he's he's like like. Well, next, don't worry. Next time we'll get him. And then he takes a picture with, <laughs> <laughs> really? with Titus on the table. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was good. I was disappointed we didn't see the Titus brand in Apollo last <laughs> week, so I was glad that we got something good this week. Yeah. I don't know if this leads to anything. I don't know if this amounts to anything, but I, I was happy with this segment. I like this. I think it might well, be like a slow turn. I'm sure another segment you'll be happy with was in another tag division. <laughs> Carl Anderson and uh, Luke Gallows versus the Golden Truth. Uh huh. And you think I'm going to be happy about this? I I thought you enjoyed it. I uh, not going to lie, I was a little sad <laughs> seeing That's Goldie funny. turn on my boy R Truth. Look, man, at least you met him while they were tag team. That is true. I met them before everything went awry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to mark out for them a little bit. I, and honestly, I don't really know what this leads to. Pretty sure match. Yeah, but it, there's like nothing to take this. I mean, does Goldust get like another like mid card title shot? Like, I don't know what this really leads to. Yeah, it's a story, but like, where you go from here? Because I mentioned that last week. Like, they made this a thing a couple weeks ago because Tag Team Turmoil was created for them. But like, where you go from here now? And to anyone who is in that crowd in Newark, New Jersey, 
If you were chanting, thank you, Goldust, <laughs> come see me. Because you're going to get this work. <laughs> you're gonna tell them what's up. I will. They will find out what's up. Um, tell your boy Richie. <laughs> you know he was chanting. Uh, cruiserweights. We had a tag match that was a good match, but the two guys in the match really didn't play into the finish, which I thought was weird. Um, Led to another good backstage segment with Perkins and Neville. Prep is the only one who's probably faithfully watching 205 Live. How are they handling this? Because I don't know that we could even really properly comment on it. Listen, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again because they had the same exact match this week. Mm -hmm. Austin Aries and TJP are having the best wrestling matches on WWE television right now. So worth checking out for that alone. If if you haven't watched 205 Live since like the first couple weeks, this is a good week to jump back into it because I want it was one of the best episodes in a while. Two shows, nice, clear, and concise, two good matches. Mm-hmm. Nothing to fight with. So people who are watching 205 Live should be pretty excited for this cruiserweight match. Yeah, always. The, I mean, anytime Austin Aries is in the ring, he's entertaining as hell. And then TJP's pretty good. So. He is. He's another guy that I sort of downplayed because he was a TNA guy. And I'm like, yo, this dude's great. Yeah, and I love, like, how now, like, dabbing is always a heel thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, Don a year ago. But now it's so much better when he, like, dabs to the oh, crowd yeah. because he's not a face anymore. Right, so. it's perfect. Yeah. Alo, you're going to say something? Yeah, Cruiser Division's been booked. Very well. Probably the best book thing on WWE because this whole thing with Neville and TJP, they're actually doing well because TJP's actually doing everything that Neville's asking him to do. He's yeah. actually succeeding. He hasn't got t- took any losses. He's actually doing everything. And then on Raw, he did the same. Um, he had, after the match, Neville talked about his match with TJ about Aries on 205 Live. He's like, we gotta take him out. You gotta take him out, and then you get your, you actually, you get your shot. So they've actually booked this part. Did Aries win that match? Match TJP won that match. Yep. Aries. Aries won. Did Neville do anything? And it was a great finish. No, no Neville. Okay, so I'm sure like it's official. The cruiserweight rematch is official, right? For yeah. Extreme for extreme. I really think TJP needs to get in this match somehow, someone, because that'll actually kind of like finish that story off. Because like it's been really kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he will, but. I guess there is a little time for it to still happen. Um, that's it for Raw. Anything anybody else wants to add? I can't imagine there's much. No. We have one listener question this week, I believe. Yes, from the, the godfather of the podcast, Joe Lafferty. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Randy Orton's Twitter fight? I saw the tweet before Orton replied and found the original very funny. Well, you know that I always mark out for a good move. I do believe that the indie guys get very repetitive. Too many DDTs, super kicks, and dives. It truly makes me. It truly makes the moves less special. It's a different style, and I enjoy it sometimes. In fact, I love AJ, Seth Owens, Balor, and Zayn to name a few. I believe the guys should work together to eliminate some of the repetitive repetition, though. No one used a DDT when Jake was around. It was special. Um. Does anybody mind if I take this first, yeah. or do you have something you wanted to say? Dive in. <laughs> Pun intended or not? 
hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Um, I have a couple things to say about this. First of all, Randy Orton, you should be ashamed of yourself <laughs> for going after guys who are making a fraction of what you're making, doing something that they love to do, who are fighting every day to make it to where you are. Not everybody has a daddy who can get them right in on the uh, top floor. I think his whole argument was his bank account. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I don't know that you'd be where you were if your last name wasn't Orton. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be there. But you are because of your family lineage. These guys are going out there. And here's the thing. I, I get the idea of the matches being repetitive or these guys are overusing certain moves. But here's the thing. If we're talking about the indies, you're not seeing these guys on the same TV show every week doing this. You're seeing these guys in a different city in front of a live crowd who's going to react to these things. So, yeah, is it repetitive if you're watching it on a show every Monday night, every week? Sure it is. But we saw House of Hardcore live in, what, April? And we'll see it again again in August. That's not going to look repetitive to us when it's been three months since we went to a House of Hardcore show. And most people are not barnstorming the United States following these guys from city to city. So, yes, fans are reacting to these things on an individual basis, night in and night out. It's not the same crowd every night. So isn't that probably what they did back in the territory days? When these guys would take a feud on the road, they were having the same match every make night. It special. Yeah. yeah, so Randy Orton, like, shut your mouth. Uh, I will give you credit. It was funny that you took the picture with Drew Gulak holding the no-fly zone <laughs> sign. I'll give you credit. That was funny. Uh, but, yeah, leave those guys alone. I think you've always been boring. You're even more boring now than you ever were. So that's all I got to say about I that. I want to take the reins for the second. Um, Vintage Pesh. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you made a great point even bringing Come up to the Bob. 610, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Pesh, you made a great point bringing up uh, House Parkour. Um, you know, people bring up our um, roundtable here and how much we're a fan of Tony Nese. Yeah. Um, you, myself, uh, and the big day sat there April last year yeah. and we saw Tony Nese for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was the first time any of us saw him. Love at he, first sight. He, he was in he was in a three way dance and you know what he did, besides looking good, having a good entrance, show voting and having heel tactics I remember House of Hardcore, they have a small mat, which is about third the size of the ring, where you can tell that's where a spot's going to happen, because it's concrete yeah. everywhere there. There's a third of the ring covered by, uh, outside of the ring, covered by a mat. Tony Nese comes and does a dive. He did a dive, mm-hmm. and he missed 100% of this mat. Yeah. His knee busted open and was leaking the rest of the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, he posted it on social media, and we all left there as a fan. Um, I got to go see, we got to see him there again either the following August or September. September. And then we got to see him against Leo Rush, who, we, you know, you guys hosted a great interview earlier with. Um, but his send-off from House of Hardcore dives in that match. The House of Hardcore, the indie shows, the special thing of being there and it's not the same thing that is why they do that and you make a great point um i think as wrestling fans i mean a lot of us 
you know, we resort to social media. I liked the little banter that Orton had with Bubba Ray Dudley, and it gave something to talk about, and it gave something mm-hmm. real. I don't think there was anything worked about it. Um, I, I liked his ignorant mark to Bubba Ray, calling him an out-of-shape vet. Yeah. Um, however, when you bring it back to WWE, spots aren't as special. Now, if you go... What do we say? We see House of Hardcore three times a year in Philly. If we see Tony Nese or Tommy Dreamer runs the event, if Tommy Dreamer were to do a dive off the top rope, it's going to be just as special in December as it was in April because we're seeing it once every so often. On our panel, I'm probably the biggest Dean Ambrose fan. Mm-hmm. and I remember the, one of the first couple times he did it with The Shield as a face when he would get thrown and hit the second rope and hit that clothesline, I was like, this is awesome. And then, you know, people say about how dry he is. Well, I hate that we see that move every damn week. That's something, you know, just to make a rant or a point towards Mm -hmm. it. WWE, these spots, I mean, there's dives happening on WWE that are repetitive. Oh, absolutely. My Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the day. Was the Luthez press in every match super exciting? I mean, you popped because it was Stone Cold doing that move. Um, but you knew it was coming in every single match. Yeah. Alo. Well, like you said, Randy is where he is because of his name. Randy Orr is not the most spectacular in-ring guy. He's probably the most... Uh, I'll say... I'll, everybody uses the word safe. We'll call him. We'll call him the most safe guy in the ring. He doesn't do anything to really. I'll say mediocre. Attention. Mediocre. You, you'll say mediocre. <laughs> but Randy Orton, he does the same thing too. You just talk about the Luthez press. He does his power, his Vince Orton power slam. He does mm-hmm. his, his um, second well, rope DDT. Second, second rope DDT. He does RKO. Same thing's repetitive. But at the same time, Randy Orton, he's he wasn't on the independent scene. So I'd rather see somebody dive than somebody flopping around in the ring. <laughs> So and, and it, so the thing with Randy Orton is I, th- I really understand is the business evolved. So like those things are accustomed in every match nowadays, unlike back in the unlike maybe ten years ago. Like 10 it's day- called evolution, yeah. which Randy you would you- think would know a little something about. <laughs> All puns. <intended. laughs> All puns. What a great pun set. Pash is on a roll. It's vintage Pash over here. Jeez. <laughs> but it evolved just because Randy Orton might be dry in the ring doesn't mean that everybody else has to be like him. It's that's that, that's what the business has evolved to. Everybody everybody does it. These these guys are not bigger bodybuilder guys. These guys are smaller CrossFit guys. These guys are more athletic than you actually think. Mm-hmm. We talked about how um, how Rey Mysterio was so ahead of his time. People are just now doing the things Rey Mysterio did twenty years later. Mm-hmm. It's become a regular thing. Yeah. Uh, Oh, there was a point that I was just about to make and I lost it. Forgot completely what I was going to say. Um, Prep, what are your thoughts? I mean, I feel like Randy's just trying to stir the pot. I think he should know, like, the WWE style is the WWE style and the people who wrestle nowadays aren't going to follow that style because we watch enough at home during the week to want to pay for a wrestling ticket to go to a show and watch the same thing I watch on TV. So it's like, I don't I don't see too much into it. I can care less what he thinks about an indie match. He has his money, and when he retires, no one's going to care. Yeah. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, from a sports entertainment aspect now, 
for example, like me and you, we're not really big on, let's say, more most independent stuff like New Japan and mm-hmm. stuff. It's because we don't know what's going on. A lot of those independent scenes, they don't really have stories. Yeah. Like if you're going to the show, it's whole different. But if you're watching it at home, they don't really have stories. So it's like, okay, what's going on? What's the, what's the story? Why are these two fighting? What's the what's the what's what's he have pro? What kind of problem does he have with him? Like that does take away from your view, from your viewing enjoyment. But from like even when we go to House of Hardcore, um, Matt Matt Stryker and Alex Reynolds when they come out we're like okay these these guys are just having a match. Yeah. But when you get down to late the big names in the card when Sammy Callahan faces Brian Cage like okay these guys have a match last time. While the Hardys are facing Dreamer, oh these guys had a match um, last time House of Hardcore. It's it's still it's still a continuation. That with that. That does jade our opinion on watching independent stuff, but when you actually go and act, and actually respect what the craft is, you'll see you understand. But I understand from a sports entertainment aspect, but that doesn't give you no reason to attack the independent wrestlers because they actually are way better workers than Randy. Ever. And I'm am j- just playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I did a lot of you know I was all over social media trying to figure out a little bit of the dirt or why this was said or that was said. I guess. Um, Rip Rogers, who made the original comment, yeah. supposedly the screenshot he put of a note was what an indie performer texted him or his wording of what he said an indie match is. Yeah. Whether he was just explaining it or bashing it, the guy posted it and they used the term dive in it multiple times. So he got heat towards it. Supposedly, I guess Rip. And again, this is, you know, I'm paraphrasing from what mm-hmm. I heard, what I've listened to. Rip trained Orton down in OVW. Orton probably just has some, you know, old-time allegiance yeah. film. And it was just a little bit of, you know, defending your boy, which I get it. Yeah, I, like, I do get it. And, like, I try not to take this stuff too serious, but I just think, like, to me, that's like the senior in high school picking on an eighth grader. And, I mean, I look at it like it's, it's entertaining on both sides. Like you pointed out, you know, um, in between SmackDown and 205 Live, Orton's backstage with Drew Gulak taking a, a picture with a sign, no fly zone. Yeah. That's freaking hilarious. That's funny. Well, Orton likes trolling this stuff. And, you know, I mean, I don't ever know if there was ever heat with Bubba or Orton. You know, him calling him in front of, you know, as much as everyone doesn't like Orton, out of people that are actively with WWE, I don't know his number at all. I would just assume he has the a large portion of followers in comparison to a lot of people. Yeah. So him tweeting out against Bubba, you know, saying he is an out of shape vet falling, not diving. Yeah. You know, that I like I'm more of a Bubba Ray Dudley fan than I am a, a Randy mm-hmm. Orton fan, but you can't say that's not funny. No. That's it is got funny. people talking. So at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's entertainment. Yeah, I won't say that he didn't give me a couple of laughs mm-hmm. out of this whole thing, but there's just a certain point of like and that's the other thing. There's a lot of guys on your roster right now who are doing that stuff. And, like, are you calling those guys out for that? You know, I just I just think he doesn't need to do that. Especially when they just introduce, reintroduced the Cruiserweight division. Like, come on. Yeah. But, like I said, it is what it is. And his opinion is his opinion. We always say wrestling is subjective. So... I mean, it does suck that he's in the business and he should know that these guys got to do something to make a name for themselves. But it's like you said, he had everything handed to him to an extent. So Yeah, like all the dates that Leo Rush gave us for his next two months. After the fourth or fifth one, I was losing track of what he was even, where he was even saying he was going to be. Like that dude is working hard 
to try to get to the next level. Those guys are all working hard to try to get somewhere they're trying to go. Like, you just got ushered into it, Randy. So let them do what they're doing and keep your mouth shut about it. Because what they're doing is more entertaining than every, anything you've ever done. Uh, is that the show for tonight? It's a wrap. That's a wrap. All right. So for Preptagon Jr., Josh Prep Iguina, for Ect2Fly, Eric Trembicki, for the voice that runs the place, the European champion from Bangor, Maine, until someone from Maine downloads the podcast. Mr. Wednesday Night Alo Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next week. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land. Off the cell, fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.